then all of a sudden, yeah. Tom Sargent goes yeah. to the top. And they said, who the fuck is Tom Sargent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he's on he's on P1 and, like, that was such a cool moment, you know, just for us as a team. It's like, wow, like, all this hard work that went into building this car is paying off. And then the world came crashing down on us. Um, the car went to scrutineering and it felt right high. Yeah, right. And, like, we're just... We were just, like, beside ourselves because it's just just not something that we would ever do like dad is always so anal about these things yeah. and to, so to be caught on something like that um but what would have been happening is every session you'd come in off the track and you'd go to the scales um and the scrutineers would sort of just like stick the, the thing under yeah and then they give you the thumbs up we would like to thank our major sponsor thrifty car rental if you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental for an upcoming trip Check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes. Go, go, go! Can you do it? He's in! That's a massive crash. And it's happened immediately! This is amazing! Big shot, big shot, and it's lights out, and away we go! G'day, I'm Dan Hooley Hollihan, and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the Couch with Hooley Season 2, which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, errors and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got supercars driver Cameron Hill. He also raced in the Bathurst 1000 with Premier Racing last year. The Canberra-born racer grew up with an engineering background thanks to his father Colin. Cameron Hill is a former karting, Formula Ford and Porsche Cup champion, showing the world that if you have the passion, you'll go a long way in the sport. He also raced competitively in the 286s and Super 2s, most recently with Triple Eight Engineering. Outside of being a professional racing driver, Cameron mentors young Formula Ford superstars whilst also racing in the supercars himself. There's a lot more to this story, so how about we hear it from the man himself, Cameron Hill. Yeah, <laughs> We're actually starting exactly at 6 o'clock. Bang on. Bang on. We've done well. We've done well. You are, you're the man. You're actually legit like, come on, perfect timing. Yeah, you sent the emails at 6 o'clock, so, uh, you know, I thought yeah. best best be accurate. You were literally the, – you're the first guest actually to be here at the exact time that we've sent you though, like, uh, with, like without an actual sheet because we send the sheet to most people. Yeah, no, there was no sheet. No, no. Dan was um, – we apologise for that. No, there was no sheet. So, no, yeah. I'm just sort of fluked it really. Yeah, well – we finally got you on the show, and I'd actually like to know a bit of your journey to Brookvale because you've come a long way from where you've come from. Well, yes. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a trek from yeah. Canberra, but it kind of worked out. I, um, I had a meeting today uh, in Ingleburn, actually. So Yeah, right. Um, punched, punched in the GPS when I f- finished the meeting, and it was sort of like, oh, I'm going to get you sort of bang yeah. on time. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. Sydney traffic, it's it's not really my thing yeah. coming from Canberra. I, I'm always sort of like, I just can't understand how people can't seem to merge and, and stuff. like In does, Sydney? Does, yeah, it just does my head <laughs> in, you know. Um, someone like there was, I was already in, it was like two lanes, and then this guy just came beside me, not even in a lane, and then just come in front of me, and I was just like. <laughs> 
Okay. Rook and I have been talking about this all week. It's like when it comes around Christmas time, like they just drive like just absolute shits. Like they don't they don't want to listen to the rules. They just cut. Yeah, like- the rules are optional, obviously, for some people. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I was just you know because you don't know the road, you don't know if there's like speed cameras or anything. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. like just trying to you know do do the right thing, and there's just people just doing silly. Silly stuff, really, yeah. but yeah. made it, which is the important thing. Yeah, I noticed um, the other week that you were with Cricky on on his drive. Was that his drive day? Was that a joint drive day type of thing? How did that work? Yeah, so Cricky, he was organising a track day mm. at um, Sydney Motorsport Park for you know, all of his partners, um, and I was doing a very similar thing at Wakefield Park. Um, yeah. I had a few track days booked this year, and unfortunately, obviously, with Wakefield Park closing down, it just we didn't really have anywhere to go. And then mm. I found out about Cam's day um, and I said, hey, mate, you know, I'll, I'll probably have 10 or 15 guys that, you know, we, we all want to go do a track day. Mm. He's like, yeah, you know, come come to my day. And, yeah, and, and you know, they like to, at, at Sydney Motorsport Park, um, they, you know, they, they do it properly and, you know, they put, um, you know, a certain amount of groups because they can only have so many cars on track at once. And so... I sort of told Cricky, oh, yeah, I'll have 10 and then maybe a few more turned up quite late and Cricky had about, you know, 140 <laughs> or something, you know, as he, <laughs> as he does. So it ended up being like a, a pretty packed day. But it was cool because, you know, everyone there is obviously there because they're, they're passionate about cars or racing and um, it was a good day, good day out of the track. Yeah. How's your dad? Because Brooke and I saw your dad at Bathurst when you – we were trying to get a hold of you for like our little Bathurst Bites thing and you were yeah. just flat out. Yeah. But- your dad, he was he was saying like it was just nonstop that weekend because you were trying to get into the groove, but you couldn't because of the stop starts. There was so many red flags, you know. Well, rain. yeah, like I mean, dad, dad's dad's well. He actually he stacked his mountain bike on the weekend, so he's feeling a bit sorry for himself. Oh, no. But um, <laughs> but no, I think dad, uh, obviously having worked on my car for my entire career yeah. this year, he's probably sort of felt a little bit out of sorts. On, on the sidelines, you know, yeah. sort of watching it all happen. Um, but, yeah, at Bathurst it was pretty mental, like doing both Super 2 and uh, main game. The It was actually a, a bigger bigger task than I thought. I sort of thought, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty long weekend, right? And if, and if you're only – for me, having only done support categories in the past, like um, – 86s. 86s or Carrera Cup, yeah. it's pretty spread out, you know. The, the days are never too – too mental, but doing both. And then obviously with main game, they do a lot of on track stuff. So mm. it actually was, it was pretty full on. Like, you know, I, I sort of had one set of race gear in the super two truck and, and one set of race gear in the um, main game truck. But then of course, I don't know how I manage it, but all the stuff I needed always seemed to be in the other truck. So <laughs> <laughs> thankfully they were near each other because um, and I had, and I had my girlfriend, Emily, she she was on top of it. I'm like, oh, have you seen my uh, red gloves? And she's like, oh, they're over there. Oh, this sounds like someone else I know. And his last meeting was crying. He's like, where are they? With your glasses, that's yeah, right, your yeah. race glasses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I know how she feels. Yeah, no, we we, we struggled through. Um, do, you have, do you have any lucky underwear or anything when you go racing? Like, because like, like, that's what Brooke says. I have to have like a certain race glasses and gloves and like undies. Do you or, have anything like that? 
No, thankfully not, because I feel like life would then just become more complex. Um, <laughs> thankfully, as long as I've just got clean undies, I just, you know, I, I just push yeah, on. You see, Dan, yeah. the key word there, clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be clean, you know. That's that's a necessity. You've got yeah. to have a spare set always. Yeah, so he's got lucky underwear, so he thinks he can wear them the whole weekend. Yeah. I'm like, no. But, yeah. but, but in saying that, I got into big trouble because on his Sunday of the final of the champs, yeah. I made him. Switch underwear. Undies. She made me switch on. And that's why the car. Yeah. That's why the car ended up the yeah. way it was. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 yeah, yeah, I got into a lot and of And Brooke goes to me, you're not blaming me, are you, for that? <laughs> it was a full feisty one then. Because so, he hasn't crashed all season. Hasn't crashed all season. I was like, oh, yeah. shit. That's, that's the problem, though, because if it's so easy to get stuck into the, the superstitious stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I, I drank lemonade this morning and then I had a bad race, so I can <laughs> never do that ever yeah. again, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a slippery slope. Isn't yeah, it? I know. I was like, yeah, I was pissed because at the time I was like, it's because of the undies, and what I, and then and then Brooks like, don't blame me because of the undies. It was pretty fun. like you think about it now, it's funny, but back then it was. Oh, the most it wasn't funny at the time. I nah. imagine it would have been pretty serious. <laughs> I don't think it was for any nah. of us, but yeah. yeah, no, I was like, get over your superstitions. <laughs> yeah. Now in the news today, you know, is that the Bates family pretty well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was going to say, including yourself, there's been a heap, like a lot of drivers coming out of Canberra that are making waves now in supercars. Yes. Like Zach just signed up today. Do you know I mean? Yourself. Um, who else? There's, there's a fair few others. Obviously, there's the Bates. The, Bates, the Bates boys who yeah. do the rallying. Um, yeah, there's a, a big um, sort of push, I guess, from from Canberra now trying to make a splash in the in the motorsport world. But, yeah, I saw the news that Zach's going to be racing with Walkinshaw, um, yeah. and that's pretty mega for him. Like, he's got – Loads of talent, and he's obviously been killing it in the 86 series. So it'll be really cool to see him drive a supercar. Yeah. What about like like Weber and all that? There's, yeah, I heard, I think Cricky's old man said that, no, so not Cricky's old man, Cricky himself said that Weber's old man has been mentoring you, you two. Is that correct? Or Yeah, Al, Al Weber, yeah, uh, yeah. Mark's dad. He still lives in um, Jerobombra uh, in. You know, near Canberra, near Queanbeyan. Mm. And, um, yeah, he he pops into our workshop from time to time just to sort of see what's going on, mm. um, talk shit more than anything. Yeah. Um, but, no, he, he's a he's a ripper bloke and, yeah, he's sort of – it's been one or two times when, um, you know, I've, we've needed a bit of advice of what we need to do and um, he's been a really good guy to sort of have in our corner. Yeah. yeah. Now, you – I want to ask because obviously – a lot of people know your family, like your mum and your dad's very supportive, but how did they actually like meet? Is there like the love story that they've told you or anything? Like- yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> mum and dad yeah. meet story. You know, it's it's kind of a meet cute really. Yeah. Um, they both worked uh, for Qantas. Yeah, right. right. At the time, dad was a technician. Um, mum, you know, somewhere in the organisation. That's bad, I should remember. <laughs> um, but... Funnily enough, it wasn't because that they worked at Qantas that they met. Mum was in Canberra, uh, Dad was in Sydney. Yeah, they were actually in the immigration line at um, LA. I, I'm pretty sure they'd both gone to America at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and the line was really, really long. And uh, I don't know. Dad thought he'd you know try it on. He obviously <laughs> thought Mum was pretty cute and yeah. struck up conversation with a stranger in the in the in the queue. Yeah. And he got enough information, you know, her name's Helen, yeah. works at Qantas, um, <laughs> that, you know, when when they got back from uh, whatever they were doing yeah, over yeah. there, he 
you picked up the phone and just rang the, you know, Qantas Canberra office and said, I just need to speak to a Helen. Got put onto the wrong Helen. <laughs> but th- thankfully they, they sorted that out. Then the and, other um, Helen helped the other Helen. <laughs> yeah, the, the other Helen said, oh, you must be, you must be after uh, Helen Bauer and um, yeah, that's how they, um, yeah, I guess. So your dad, was, your dad was from Sydney, was he? Yeah, dad, uh, born in Victoria. Okay. Moved to uh, Kiama mm-hmm. uh, with with his mum, uh, Nana, and, yeah, would have been commuting most days to, to come into Sydney to, and, and work on uh, Qantas planes. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, cool. And sorry about that. I'm feeling a bit. <laughs> it's, like, is it feeling hot in here? Or is it? It just is me? warm in here. Is it warm? Yeah. Oh, or maybe oh. it's, maybe somewhere in this jersey. It's like <laughs> I've chosen the wrong outfit. Anyway, it's all good. Um, but yeah, you, obviously your dad. He's he's norm, like he's good for running his Formula Ford team. And you and yourself started as just you two. Yeah. But back in your go kart days, but like why is Cricky and other guys said like your dad's just the as you've said before with the supercars. He's a bit of a crazy scientist, is what I've heard now recently on the podcast. Yeah, he, he's uh, a guru when it comes to um, all things mechanical. He sort of started his own engineering business um, when he – once he sort of stopped working for Qantas and um, they moved to Canberra uh, with mum, uh, sort of started his own thing, literally just downstairs at our, at our house in Canberra. And mm. so – right underneath my bedroom and he just had, you know, a few machines, lathe, a few different things and has always just sort of, um, you know, been one to try stuff and, you know, if if there isn't one, he'll he'll make one, if you know what I mean. So um, very, very talented when it comes to um, hands-on and and fabrication and um, built a couple of uh, sports sedans yep. uh, in the 90s, early 2000s, a couple mm. of RX-7 sports sedans, um, did many roll cages for a lot of race cars back then too. So um, he's just got obviously uh, you know, a lifetime of experience of um, engineering and race cars. Mm. And so that was definitely very handy when yeah. it came to helping me take uh, you know the first steps into – Racing, you know, when, yeah. when we got a go-kart and Dad would always tinker and tinker away, trying to make the go-kart as fast as possible. Did the engines himself and, yeah, it was obviously a, a cool way for us to, to spend time together. So was Cole obviously just – was he just working on cars back in the day? Did he not race them himself at all? I think Dad might have done like a little bit of racing. Not much though. He He raced motocross when he was – Okay. Uh, when he was young, growing up, and uh, he likes to say that he was pretty good mm. uh, at racing motocross. I, he is because whenever we, we would go mountain biking together, I just wouldn't see which way he went on the downhill. Like, he's just so fast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on two wheels, he's he's pretty mental. But yeah. I think he obviously um, knew that on two wheels the, the – there's a good chance you're going to get injured, you know, if you yeah. if you're going hard. So that's why he got me the go kart instead of the motorbike because he yeah. thought it's got to be it's got to be a little bit better than you know doing massive quad jumps or, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm yeah. and I'm I'm shocking on on two wheels, so like, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good thing. Were you into any other sports though before you got into go karts? Like before we met, you did any school sports or anything or not really? Uh, believe it or not, tennis. Yeah, was massive into tennis. Leighton Hewitt was. Uh, like 
my hero, you know, and I was always I was always wearing my hat backwards, <laughs> you know, giving the big come ons yeah. and, and all that. <laughs> so I wanted to be world number one, of course. Yeah. Um and yeah, really enjoyed playing tennis. Uh probably played up until I was I don't know, 12 or something. Yeah. But I'd sort of started racing carts then and it was sort of like, okay, you know, what do you want to do? Mm. And um, as you would know, mate, there's yeah. nothing quite like <laughs> racing, uh, that that sort of thrill and, and adrenaline that you get. So stuck with the go-karts and um, I think that was an okay decision. Yeah. yeah what age did you start racing carts though? I started racing when I was nine. Okay. So it was 2006. Yeah. Uh, my first race was the ACT titles. Oh, Canberra. really? It's like a, like a title. Yeah, the- but it's the ACT titles, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's <laughs> not like, you know, the the massive yeah. state titles that you would see where there's like 40 cars. I think there was like 16 or 17 mm. midgets as they were. Um, did you race at Canberra much? I raced, I think I raced there once or twice, really. I think, yeah, yeah, with, with Christian Limbaum. Remember him? Yeah, Christian yeah, Carl Limbaum. Yeah, and were you were you in a top car when you first began or not? No, really? when I first began, I was in a Dino. In a Dino, shit, I don't even remember that. So Dino, remember yeah, yeah. Red, little red go kart, and I reckon it was like already twenty years old yeah. when when you know I <laughs> when we acquired it. Yeah, but it was a good little go kart. It was fast. Yeah, it was really, my first year, my first ever race meeting. Joey Mawson lapped me on the last lap. I was, <laughs> oh, no. I was like, you know, like, no, I got lapped. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was my first ever race meeting and um, sort of very quickly we we sort of started to travel around and we went yeah. to Bega. I think it was the first other track I went to. Yeah. And then Newcastle. Newcastle was an awesome track yeah. to, to race at. Yeah, the um, ski jump. The ski jump. The yeah. first time you see the ski jump, you're just thinking, what the hell is this, you know? Yeah. And you can get some pretty serious <laughs> air if you get that thing wrong. Yeah, there's, um, that, there's that, like, old photo of Johnny Grother, like, doing the, like, yeah, the shakers. Yeah, the shakers. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> mad photo. Um, you remember, the, like, the big bowl down the bottom? Like, yeah. that was such a fun corner. Like, you were just oh. in a midget, like, when you in a coma, you were just pinned through there. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a pretty, pretty cool track. Yeah. Your, your home track was Sydney, East, wasn't Eastern it? Creek. Yeah. yeah. I'm basically now as Formula Ford too. I'm just like just a one track one. Yeah, one track. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I rely on Eastern Creek where you don't. <laughs> no, nah, Eastern Creek was was a good track as well. It was fast. Yeah. It was fast in the car. Did you go traveling with any like did you always just travel with your family to the track or did you travel with any of like go-karting mates back then like Sean Tidyman and did you have any of those mates like that you're traveling around with at any time, um, going to any other tracks or not really? Early days, it was always just the family. Yeah. Uh, Nick Liptenberger was uh, a close mate in the early days uh, and he was the one that introduced me to Sean um, not until quite quite later. Uh, Tidyman. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. dude's everywhere, isn't he? Yeah, he is <laughs> everywhere. Um, everywhere you go, you're like, Sean. He's the ladies' man. How, how'd you get here? Yeah, yeah. He's he's very smooth. He's he's a talker. So if you ever want to meet people, yeah. you go out with Sean because he <laughs> seems to just know everyone. Um, but no, I think I was I was already probably eighteen um, yeah. when when we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of in go karts. There was like the slightly older crowd, the kids, you know, in junior national light and stuff. And then there was like a slightly younger crowd, and I was sort of like the older. 
of the younger crowd. Yeah, yeah. I kind of. We also, I think you were like a lot taller than some of them. I like, was tall. I was really tall to yeah. be. It in, showed in, in the rookies. It showed in the CIK stars are carting those photos. When you know when when you see yes. like you and Joey and all that, and you're the tall. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I was too tall probably for for some of those categories. Yeah, go karts. I don't know. It seems the smaller you are, the more you can put the seat forward, the faster you go. Yeah, uh, or is us. Us tall guys, we we struggle a little bit unless it rains. Yeah, and then and then the height is good. It is good there. I was about to say because I just want dance for me in carts. The first thing I got in there was like, okay, someone refit this seat because you got your knees up around yeah. your ears and yep. you're just like, this is shit. <laughs> yeah, because all, like, all the short kids would have like full straight arms, yeah. straight legs. Yeah, I never had that luxury. Yeah, Brooke was like you, like all like jacked up in the seat. No, it was like, good because this one they actually could refit. The guy goes, no, no worries in these ones. Oh, really? Tazzy. He goes, Broop, seat back, and I was full oh, length, perfect. and I was like, oh, thank God, because I, I remember when I was younger, I only went a couple of times. I was never, I never got the top two. Do cards, but I said to them, my only memories were being like really stuck because you were tall yeah, and thinking squished. I don't fit in this thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's tricky. Yeah, and then you have to do like weird things because you don't want to push both pedals at once yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, and with your with your karting and stuff, did, did you did you remember like your first time winning a state title or anything like that, or your first club day that like what made you want to do racing? Essentially, do you know what I mean? Like a mm. lot of people just kicked out at club level or state level and then gave up. Was was there like a certain Memory that you remember going, oh, I actually want to really push for this? I don't know if there was a day or a race meeting where it was sort of like, oh, this is what I want to do. But mm. it's it's such a, um, you know, cool sport, you know, because the competition is so, so fierce, you know, and it's you out there against sometimes 20 or 30 uh, other drivers. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction when you can – Beat, beat all all the other you know other guys out there and 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 be in first. So always just like a fierce competitor and yeah. you know always wanting and and dad is as well right. And so us together, our little team, you know, we were always like you know trying to take on the world and 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 win. So I think it was just a natural progression. You know, I did you know you do your midget, you do rookies, and then into juniors. And the first state title I won was. Uh, South Australian state title in 2008 at Wyala. Yeah, right. Which is a long way away. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that uh, Toyota Yaris high car tops out at about 205. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mate, the roads down there on like the, the, the flats or whatever you yeah. want to call them, it's just like miles and miles and miles of just like straight dead, dead flat road. It was just insane. <laughs> Um, but the reason we went there was because we we were at the New South Wales titles like two weeks or three weeks before. Yeah. We are at Port Macquarie and um, I think it was like the pre-final and like we sort of about seventh or something and, and we'd made a change to the cart and all of a sudden the thing was just lit mm-hmm. and I've just driven through the field up and I, fin- I think I finished the pre-final like second. Yeah. And we're thinking, oh, like we are, we are on for the final here. Yeah. Who were you taking on on the on the front row? Was it Joey or was it someone else? Do you remember or not? There was like Liam Morey, yeah. Jake Coleman. Um, Jake was a good peddler back in the day, wasn't he? He Jake was. And same Liam yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Brad, Brad Jenner as well. Was they he? were really. Oh, Jenner was seriously quick. I only raced him a few times. He was a couple of years older than me. Yeah. Um, I remember he he made his comeback at the City of Melbourne titles after a a, a brief holiday and. Um, 
oh, he just smashed us. Like, yeah. he, was, he was so fast. Um, but, yeah, this state title, uh, I started off the front row and then, I don't know, something happened, like, first lap or second lap and two guys clashed in front of me and I had nowhere to go. Yeah. And I've sort of, like, ridden up the wheel and as I've come down, it's like, dislodged the muffler. And you know how they used to get really upset if – your muffler had like fallen off because yeah, it was too noisy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got the meatball flag <laughs> and, I, and I had to pull in and, you know, like just gutted. <laughs> so gutted, you know, because you work so hard yeah. to try get that blue plate so you can be the state title, yeah. state champion. And, you know, we, we felt so like just destroyed that we were like, no, nah. there's another state title in three weeks' time. We're going to go do it. Yeah. And we went down there and it was just like the perfect weekend. Like we we rolled out and the car. Where was, where was this state title? Wyler. Yeah. Oh, South Australia. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. That was from the other one to the other yeah. one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So I, like we had the heartbreak at Port Macquarie. So, oh, and that's okay. what spurred us on to go all the way down there. Yeah. It was a, like it was like six hours away from Adelaide. Like mm. it's like the other side of the bite. And um, we got there and it just – everything went really well. Yeah. Perfectly. You know, we rolled out, we were fast, we polled it. I think we won all the heats pre-final and final and, you know, that's when it was sort of like, yes, yeah. we finally got one of these, now these you got championships. A, now you've got like a Formula 4 team now. Do you keep an eye on the karting scene or not really? Or do they come to you? Because I don't know how that works. Like there's you and Sonic and other teams. Yeah. Or Borland, for example. How does like, how do you guys keep up? The guys through the cut, do you do the cut? Do you keep an eye on them, or you just let them come through? It's a bit of a mix, you know. I won't lie; I'm not. F- when you first leave go karts, you mm. sort of you're very aware of what's sort of going on. Yeah, but I, you do sort of lose um, some, you know, the some of the details. Like you, you'll see press releases of who's winning the national title and, and whatnot, but you definitely aren't as connected to it anymore. But yeah, when it comes to, I guess, finding, you know, the drivers for, you know, our Formula 4 team, it's a bit of a mix, you know. Sometimes you sort of do have a look around at results and stuff and sort of see who's doing well, um, you know, who has potential. Um, and so there's been one or two times where, you know, I've kind of gone and, and found some young guys and said, oh, what do you think? You know, do you want to take the step up into Formula Ford? But then there's been other instances where, because of obviously the success we've had in in Formula Ford, uh, we will get uh, approached by young drivers, and then it's about just finding you know a spot yeah. for them. Yeah, because it was pretty cool having you like oh, it was Tom Sargent yourself, and you were going to win with Jimmy. That was just that was hard for you though, because that came out at the last moment. Do you know what I mean? We were talking about that at the track. Like he's obviously chosen the open real route, which is completely fine because oh, yeah. drivers have different routes. But you know what I mean? Like for you, I feel as a team owner because you're like. You would have had three in a row, do you know what I mean? But that's just purely down to the driver's decision, do you know what I mean? Yeah, obviously we would have – we were looking really good to win our third national Formula 4 title with Jimmy mm. um, and he'd had a really good year. Um, but he also had the opportunity to go to England and test with high tech um, to prepare for uh, an F4 program next mm. year. And um, I would have loved to have – have him come back and finish that that title off and it would have you know for for us as a team and yeah. dad who you know put so many hours in in the workshop it would have been a pretty cool achievement you know because mm. i feel like the, the operation that we've built is you know we 
we really take it quite seriously, you know. Yeah. Every time we go racing, we go racing because we want to win. Yeah. And, um, you know, disappointing that obviously we, we didn't get that opportunity um, with Jim uh, this this year, but I really hope that, you know, he, he has a good run uh, overseas next year because, um, you know, it was really cool to sort of see how, how quickly he developed uh, with us and, um, you know, he's he's a – Really talented kid, so hopefully goes well. Yeah. Have you got many drivers signed on? Or are you still like do you, do you as you're saying? Were you driver searching, or are you getting guys approaching you? Really? Oh, we've sort of built built the team to a point now where there is a lot of interest in, yeah. in racing with us, and I sort of feel like what we offer in the obviously you know we've got fast cars with um, a lot of um, knowledge and IP that we've sort of built over the years. Obviously, Colin knows the cars inside out now. So uh, we're sort of very across that. And then me, from the driving standpoint, I've always felt I've been able to offer the kids a pretty good sort of first-hand current um, level of experience that that I can pass on. You know, when I'm watching the footage or looking at the data, I know exactly what it feels like because, you know, I, yeah. I was driving those cars not that long ago and um, I sort of feel like that helps quite a lot. So it's not just, you know, looking at data and going, oh, you got to brake later because – you know, sometimes you might look and go, oh, yeah, the car the car's moving around a little bit on you. There might be that we, yeah. can, we can make the car a bit better. And then having done it with Dad and myself, I sort of know what every sort of change feels like, whether it's a, a shock change, spring, roll bar, ride height, all those things. So I sort of normally have the answer mm. pretty quickly if, we, if there is something we can improve on. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, – before I got back into racing, Noah said to me that you said – him to make to make him go quick to make him go quicker. Um, what was it? It was make pretend it's got wings. Pretend it's that's got wings. It. That's, that was yeah. It. He pretend loves that saying. Yeah, I, I was a throwaway <laughs> line that I had, and he really <laughs> he really clung to it. Um, but look, you know, there was there was just um a one particular corner where you know it's sometimes it's mind over matter. You know, mm-hmm. you've just got to sort of believe the car can go through a certain corner faster than you know what you think it can and and so i said mate just pretend you're driving a formula one car and just yeah. send it <laughs> through that corner <laughs> and i promise you it'll stick yeah and uh credit to noah he he pretty much took everything i said as gospel and he went out there and he did it and he was seriously fast you know so um it's really cool to sort of see his career um start to sort of take off as well he's been doing a bit of s5000 he won yeah. the formula three championship this year as well yeah he's he's got a lot of talent and uh, with a little bit more, I guess, refinement, uh, it'll be really cool to sort of see where he goes. Yeah, and you got Imogen. Is Imogen signed up for again for next year with you, or it's all sort of there, all, yeah. there to go ahead? Um, I haven't sat down with everyone yet, just because we don't even have the national calendar yet. Yeah, we're still waiting on that. But um, yeah, plan is for for her to continue on. Um, yeah. and like she made massive gains this year. Like, really proud of um how she. Um, pushed herself and, and developed, which was really cool. Her car's the extra LeBrock car, isn't it? And that's who you're teaming up with next year. That is true, mate. Yeah. You know, you've done your homework. Um, yeah. So she's in the uh, ex-Jack LeBrock car. He won the championship in, in 2012. Yeah. And um, I actually told Jack about it and he's like, oh, man, yeah, like, oh, if, if they're ever going to sell it, like, let me know. I'd love to yeah. get it back. Yeah, um, right. Does he want it back eventually? Yeah, he? I think he wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Because um, obviously that's the car he won the championship in i think he um, still posts when i was looking up stuff today on all of you but um yeah. he posted recently didn't about his formula yeah board. he had was a he, cool photo it? of it at yeah, gold coast or oh. adelaide or something a mile yeah. high yeah. Yeah, jumping it 
And yeah. I tagged Image and I said, oh, good car. I was like, he's, <laughs> he's missing that car, you can see. Yeah. Um, they're just such good cars, you know. They're just so raw, mm. you know, and like hard to drive, you know. You, it's so rewarding when you drive one at the limit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe Jack will, will get his hands back on that car when, when Imogen's, um, you know, been through her, her journey. Yeah. yeah. Is there more females coming through the sport from your point of view? Because obviously I'm from a different point of view than you being a team owner and whatnot, but are you seeing more girls come through the karting ranks and are you kind of seeing that out there in the landscape of motorsport? Because they're pushing for that WF1 series and then they've got the W series. Do you reckon there's enough females to fit that gap? Do you know what I'm saying? I think like, there, I think there is uh, definitely a growth uh, mm. in you know women racing. Um, yeah. Certainly, probably in the, just in the last sort of ten years, it's probably really stepped up, which is really good to see. Yeah. Um, and there's also lots of um, I guess programs aimed at getting um, girls and females more engaged, which is really good to see um, because you know maybe. In the past, there wasn't the sort of support there and maybe they just sort of just shied away from it because they sort of felt like they might have been the only one um, mm. sort of pursuing it. But if they see that there's other girls racing as well, then they're probably going to be more encouraged to sort of push on with it and, and keep going. When you've coached Imogen though, does she go out there intimidated by the boys or does she just see herself as a race? No. Co- no? Okay, no, cool. no, she is not intimidated by the boys whatsoever yeah. um she's pretty headstrong you know she she's out there and and she just wants to beat them all really so uh it's it's cool you know it's cool working with her she um you know she's really mature for her age and um you know i think over the next few years you know we'll really see her um sort of start to start to show her, her potential yeah. do you remember we'll go back to your carding days for a bit do you remember the we were saying just touching on the CRK stars of karting, but do you mm. remember when that all started up and the mm. the media around it and the yeah. hype? Do you remember? Like, did you race it, the first year of it? No, nah, I raced. I think the second or the third year in K KF, KF one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, did, it was it was just like obviously they sort of it was like a reboot of CRK because they had CRK. Yeah. If the internet worked, I was going to show some old footage. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, just to jog some um, memories. But no, it was like CRK stars of karting and. Yeah, Galvo boosted it with Lee Hanacek. Yeah, it was just like, you know, oh, my God, it's it's coming back. You know, yeah. they're going to have the shifter carts and, like, we're racing the same carts they do in Europe. And, yeah, yeah it was a massive thing. Yeah. Um, was and, your dad all over that, though, like when you were running club level, state level to that? Like, was there a mindset? Um, oh, dad always knew of it. Like, I think um, it always used to be called, like, intercontinental even yeah. like back in the day. Intercontinental C and A. C, yeah. yeah. I think C was Gearbox, I think, yeah. um, which is you know, KZ now. Um, it's all changed now. Like, honestly, I, I don't know what the latest KA1 or something is like the hmm. – it was KF3 when yeah. I raced. KF3 was the juniors, KF1 was the seniors, and then KZ2 was the Gearbox. Yeah. You were um, in a com- pretty com- – like back in season one when I was talking to Joe Morse, you were in a very competitive class that year because you had – Joey, mm. yourself, Pierce Lahane, mm. Jake Coleman. It was- yeah, it was pretty stacked. And like Joey and Pierce were sort of the two guys that um, were at the peak mm. of their powers. And so um, I was always like a year behind Joey. And um, he was always like, if, if he was like the guy in go karts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if <laughs> he I- still technically is in cars. In yeah. Way. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could, you know, race against Joey and, and, you know, 
be be close like you were, you were doing pretty well right yeah yeah um and so i was always sort of a year behind i come into the category and you know you'd always sort of be like oh you know just trying to catch joey just trying to catch joey and then you know i'd sort of get to like my second year and i'd sort of start to match him and then he'd move the next guy i'm like damn it <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah i think he i think he won it yeah. year before me kf3 did you ever do senior karting or not i did one year i did okay. one year in kz Okay. In 2013. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah, that. So yeah. the year, so I won um, the, the KF3 championship 2012 and then I did uh, KZ in 2013. Um, and then you went over to Las Vegas then. I did Vegas, which yeah. was really cool, really cool. What was that like as a youngster though? Because I don't actually know. I've always seen it on like live streams and yeah. stuff. What's it like being a competitor as a young star, like essentially as around a what, as a young star, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> racing at that, like, you know what I mean? Like it was around awesome. Las Vegas. Yeah, it was so cool. Like I was 16 or yeah. whatever and I go over there and, you know, you're walking down the strip and it's like the bright lights and like yeah. everything's like just huge and you're like walking through the casino floor and everyone's like smoking and you're like, whoa, this is just like yeah. this crazy <laughs> place. Yeah. And then in the parking lot, they've just set up a go-kart track. Yeah. And you're just like, what? And then like in KZ, like it was stacked. You know, they had all these guys coming over from Europe. I think Pablo de Conto was like one of them. Hmm. Um, was Dan Weldon in that year or was that the one that, that was that the year before? Because they had Will Power. They had, as you said, there was heaps of internationals. Yeah. I didn't race against Dan or, or Will. I did race against a guy that was in IndyCar at the time. His name was Carlos somewhere yeah. numerous or whatever we'll just yeah, go yeah maybe yeah um but yeah it was a it was a stacked field um and it was such a cool experience to sort of go over there and and race at an international level um we got totally stitched though it it uh, it rained yeah. in Las Vegas in the desert <laughs> I, was about to say, I was about to ask what time of year were you there it, it never rains yeah. and there was no wet tires Oh, no, no way. I didn't like very little. Like yeah. there was a few, you know, teams that had a set of wets in the truck and stuff. And so there was this like mad scramble. Yeah. Like teams were flying wets in from Canada. No like, way. Just, wow. just stuff that was out of control. Yeah. And I think we managed to get like two new wets, like two new rears and two secondhand fronts or something. Yeah. And so I didn't, like it was wet in the practice day. And so there was heaps of practice. I think it was like two days of practice and mm. like the second day was wet. So I didn't go out. Mm. in the wet practice because it was like, well, I only got one set of wets. So I can't burn them. Yeah. And so, like, I just watched. I just watched the guys out there. And then it was wet in, like, the carby session. So we thought, oh, go out, do a few laps just to feel it. Yeah. And I felt felt pretty good. I think I was, like, sort of 10th. Yeah. Was this in the gear? This is the gear. In this KZ, yeah. 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 And, then, um, and then it rained. It was still wet for qualifying, but it was drying out. And it was just a little bit too damp. I think everybody except two two guys went out on wets and um, it dried out. And on the very last lap, the two guys with slicks went went to the top. Yeah. One of them was Jason Faint. He was an Aussie. Yeah, yeah. And But the problem was, I you know, I had a shocking session, qualified 20th or something. But the problem was my wets, they're now minced. They're absolutely just shredded. And then the first heat race was wet. Oh no. No, sorry. First race heat race was slick. Yeah. That was fine. Got you know, got made up a few spots. Second heat race was wet. And I'm just like, well, there's no point going out and wet, so we'll just put slicks on. And there was like I think there was a couple of us in the same boat because no one not there was a few like the big factory teams 
of course, they've somehow managed to find two sets of wets and, you know, they're all fine. But yeah. I just went out on slicks and there was like a couple corners that were like kind of dry. Yeah. I, I catch back up, you know, maybe pass a gu- couple guys on wets and then there was like corners that were like so wet and it was just like <laughs> just stuffed. So be organized. Make sure you've got a set of wets <laughs> if you're going to go to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Because you just never know. So were you with a factory team or was, does all the Aussies go over together? I don't actually understand how it all works. Yeah, there was a like an Aussie contingent that year um, mm. that we all went over. It was like the energy team. And so we sort okay. of all went over and um, – Oh, that's we, right. You raced energy towards the end, didn't you? Yeah, sort yeah. of the second half of my KZ yeah, I, I jumped in an energy cart just because from, um, from a top cart. Yeah, I was in a top cart, but um, by that stage, um, Tim Craig had sort of backed out of the the top cart stuff, and um, there was just like no one else in them, and you know we were sort of struggling a little bit, and so the energies were doing well. Yeah, I think Chris Hayes was sort of winning at the time in energy, so we sort of jumped in one of those and um, went pretty good. Yeah. Um, Do you still keep in contact with? Tim Craig because he's killing yeah. the pulsars. Yeah, like. yeah, and I'm still mates with Tim. He's sort of become the guru of pulsars, hasn't yeah. he? With uh, <laughs> Jamie and Josh. So, um, yeah, yeah. He he was a he was a big sort of um, mentor to me in the go kart days. Yeah, like when I joined his kart one top kart team. Like he he was just a guru. You know, he'd he'd just be watching. Smoking cigs, yeah, he'd be watching. He didn't. He was a man of very few words, right? Yeah. Very few words, and he'd come in and just go. I need to put smaller hubs on the rear. You just go, oh, well, <laughs> okay. You, go, you put your small hubs in the rear and oh, yeah, three tenths faster. <laughs> don't know what he was looking at, mate. I don't know. It's a black art. But, <laughs> um, yeah, very serious, man. Um, and since he's sort of, you know, he's kind of retired from the go-kart stuff now. Yeah. He smiles a lot more. He's a lot happier, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he was um, in it for a long time and had sort of seen it all. And as you know, with go-karts, mate, it can – yeah. Is there a reason why oh like his sons never approached you for Formula Ford or they just wanted to go to the Oh, I'm not sure. They I don't think they were um when they were sort of that age, mm. um, you know, they were sort of doing other things. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh he, he started working and yeah. um, you know, Jamie, he's got other interests as well. And so I think for them the pulsars was just their way of being able to you know, stay in motorsport and, and, and keep having fun together. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. With your Formula Ford, we'll go back to the Formula Ford stuff before we go on to the other stuff that you're currently mm. doing. Um, With your Formula Ford stuff, I remember basically it was just you, kind of like what Bart and I were doing this year, just basically out of a trailer. Yeah, Just a yeah. crew. And I go, oh, by the way, it's heaps of fun. When, yeah, exactly. When I changed from a big team to a small team. Yeah. But I remember me, seeing you at Wakefield Park and it was you and your dad and I think you were testing, I think, brake. Are you doing – you were testing the brake – that, do you remember that at all? You were you were, you were trying to you were testing all this stuff on your red Miguel, mm. and you were you were like refining it, and you skipped states. You went straight to nationals, didn't you? Yeah, of course. You know, we just went straight into the deep end, and you know, yeah, <laughs> way over our heads. But um, at the time, the New South Wales State Series wasn't that strong. I did one state round. Yeah, um, there was only three cars. Yeah, so okay. um, I came third. And then I came third in the championship because there was only three cars. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but thankfully, it's it's gotten a lot stronger. You know, we get grids of sort of 15, 20 cars now, which is really yeah. really good to see. But yeah, sort of just went straight into to national racing, um, which look at the time was um, it was a big leap. But 
um, it was kind of good because it pushed me to to learn really quickly. You know, I we were in the deep end, like we got to Malala it was the first round, and um, I remember sort of, you know, probably only having the speed for sort of twelfth or something, but just because you know I, I just played it smart, you know, picked my battles because the thing is you can. It's really easy to get sucked in and just fight someone to the death mm. in a Formula Ford race. But sometimes, as you know, you, you just got, sort of got to go with people and, you know, use the draft a little bit. And so I remember uh, Nick Rowe, he he must have had a DNF and he was sort of coming back through the pack and I saw him like trying to get past the guys behind and they were all like blocking and fighting. And yeah, he eventually like that, that let me get a gap, but eventually he got through. And then when he caught up to me, I just went, well, I'm not going to fight you like yeah. way quicker. And so then, you know, he got past me and then I got jumped in behind him and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm going half a second faster because I'm, you know, following all these lines and everything. So, um, you know, just sort of was smart like that and that sort of, you know, I got into the top 10 that weekend and then, you know, I think it was like my third round, I was sort of sort of sixth, seventh and, um, you know, always just sort of pushing myself to, you know, try catch the guys who have uh, at the front. Yeah. You you had that – um like the Liz Tech like wing at 1.2. Do, yeah, do you remember that? That's a really, that's a cool story actually. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I remember really early days. This might have even been before we sort of started competing. Mm. I remember being at Eastern Creek one day watching a Formula Ford race. Yeah. And um, the Liz Tech was competing. Mm. And, mate, he went through turn one just about flat. Yeah. Well, no one else was going that fast through turn one. No one else. And- Dad and I were just like in awe. We're like, man, this thing's it's so much faster through turn one. And it had the shark fin on it. Yeah. Right? And so obviously we sort of kept that idea up our sleeve. Mm. So we can't <laughs> claim credit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were like just on the Avon tyre, right? Yeah. Um, when we raced on the Avon back then, it was a cross-ply tyre and the car's – Moved around so much, yeah. Like they, you know, you always see, car, uh, you know, videos of historic cars always sliding. Well, that's what it was basically like. You were always sort of dancing the car, like it was always moving around. And if you didn't have sort of big your angle, mm. you weren't fast, yeah. And so the problem is then when you go to a track like Eastern Creek, it's super quick, right? And the corners are really long, and sometimes that you know you're sort of sliding through the corner, but sometimes it would slide. Too much, you know, and so then you're sort of having to make big corrections and stuff and we sort of thought, well, why don't we, why don't we put this, this shark fin on the car? Surely it's got to sort of help, you know. Yeah. And um, we we were at the national round. This was in the second year um, when I was leading the championship. Um, we were sort of practising it. Like, and there was a few guys, um, Lewis Leeds and Thomas Maxwell, like we were all sort of pretty close, you know, like a tenth or two here or there. And then um, it was sort of late in the day and dad's like, right, let's get the shark fin out. We'd already sort of fitted it up in the workshop. Yeah. So was this with another hood or was it the same hood? Same one, yeah. We just yeah. drew the holes in the, yeah, right. in the engine cowl. Yeah. And so uh, we whacked it on. Mm. And uh, so I, I drive out of the garage, start heading to the lane, lane. I see a few of the, the sonic mechanics having a bit of a bit of a laugh going, these guys can't be serious. Yeah. You know? Like what are they what are they thinking? Yeah. Um, anyway, I go out there and I'm driving. I'm like, yeah, this thing feels good. And dad tells me, as everyone does, everyone's got the stopwatch out and they're all timing, timing yeah. each other. And he, he said uh, Mick Ritter was standing on the pit wall. He's there with the stopwatch. And I'm coming down the straight. Yeah. And he hit the button. And um, 
I think at the time the lap record was like a 35-1, right? Yeah. In the Formula okay. Ford and like we were doing sort of low 35s in practice. Yep. He's hit the button and it's come up 34-7. And he, he, dad says he remembers all the Sonic guys all like turning to each other, looking at each other and just like couldn't believe what they were yeah. sort of seeing. And I came around again, bam, another 34 and they're just going, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm like eight tenths clear of the next guy. Like, wow, we were in another league. Yeah, and um, all of a sudden they weren't laughing anymore. Yeah, they're all like, hmm, yeah. And Garth Tander um, was pitted next to us. He was running uh, Leanne. Leanne, yeah. And uh, he was sort of like, well, mate, uh, we're all going to have to go down to Bunnings now and uh, <laughs> go get some sheet metal and uh, yeah. build one of these. And um, yeah, the. What was it built out of fiberglass or is it? Uh, we had like a, it was like a honeycomb material. You have to ask Colin. Yeah, no, right. Not my area. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we qualified on pole and yeah. and won all three races. And yeah, it was. Pre- it's pretty impressive though that Leanne Tent, like Leanne Ferry now, would she how she came back and won the championship, but still oh, yeah. raced that at like against us really at that level. Yeah, that was still that's still bloody impressive. Yeah, no, she um. She did incredibly well to to win the national title, sort of in her yeah, second was- career almost, because obviously she sort of took a, a long break from from racing. Um, but you know, yeah, she's a real racer. Like um, I remember, I, I was coming back through uh, at Phillip Island. I'd had a uh, DNF. Was in my first year? No, it might have been the second year. Mm. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know her that well, and, and she didn't know me at all. But I just remember like trying to get past her and she made it so hard to get past <laughs> me, like just put in the car and all the you know, hard, hard spots to to make it difficult for me. And in the end, she was sort of covering into into Honda. And she left like one car with and I just went, oh, I'm just gonna Yeah. This is, you know, seventeen year old Cameron probably Took a risk that didn't really need to be taken. Yeah, I've just, is this in practice or in this in this is in a race? Oh, okay, yeah. And I've sent it in there, and credit to her, like she like just held her line, and and we like got through that corner. Yep. Um, you know, just almost touching each other, and she was always really good to race against because you know she knew where a car was, and and she knew what was going on around her, and you could sort of trust her. You know, you could yeah. race her hard and. Uh, and you, you knew she wasn't going to do anything to like you know turf you off the track, but mm. yeah, she was a hard racer. Did Garth give you advice though? Back back to that story though, did he give you advice back in the day or not really? Yeah, I think um, in that year when I was sort of going for the title and, and Leanne was sort of in her her comeback year, um, yeah, we had good chats with Garth. It was funny, like you see you see guys like Garth Sander right on on TV, you know, and they're superstars of. Yeah. Of the sport, you know, like they're they've won Bathurst, they're 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 champions. And they have a persona, right? And Garth Garth I I thought was always like, you know, one of the hard racers, you know, and a, and a bit of a tough guy. But then when you're sort of pitting next to him at a Formula Ford round, he was just this like cool guy that like like race cars and you could just talk to him, you know, for ages and you know, he'd tell you, you know, or give you a little yeah. bit of advice and he fixed my Duratec, by the way, in one of the rounds. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the ignition the ignition was switched around. I don't know what had happened. And oh, I, right. I, was, I was trying to get the car going. And yeah. He just OCD got the shits because he was pitting next to us. <laughs> he came over. He, he drops Leanne's car, like yeah. lets her go, goes, Oh, you know, your car's finally in. You just go out there and do some laps. Comes over to my car. 
like pushes a few of the mechanics aside and goes, let me try and fix the car, yeah. gets it going and then goes, just keep doing that. Yeah. Like, you're right. Exactly what he said. You know, you think from his persona on TV, he's like that persona. Yeah. But away nah, from the track. Such a genuine guy. Yeah. And um, really, really, really. Because um, he was in your stable really this nice. year, wasn't he? In your Triple Eight stable, right? Well, obviously, yeah. When I was driving um, this year, yeah. Super 2, he was co-driving with, um, Shane and um, he was still obviously doing the commentary stuff as well. Um, but yeah, you know he's he's actually quite approachable and um, really easy to talk to. But what's what's actually the Triple Eight um, aura like as a as being a part of that stable? Is it is it is because they they the way they run run stuff and Brooke seen it herself when we went up to Bathurst. It's very like struck. I don't know. Brooke can explain it. It like, just looks like a complete fit out. Like, you know, they've yeah. got everyone there. Yeah. Everyone's got their role. The, the whole thing. You look at other teams, it looks like, I don't know, without being, you know, rude, it's a bit disheveled or less. Mm, and whereas yeah. you rock up there, you feel like you're with an F1 team almost. Like, you know, yeah. No, they obviously are the benchmark here mm. in Australia and they are extremely well structured and organised. And that's the thing that, you know, I was really, really impressed with was just from the top down, mm. everyone knows their role. Everyone knows the part they have to play. Um, and it's all about, you know, performance, you know. And, and yeah. so the, the whole process of preparing the race car, running the race car, you know, from the start, you know, back in the workshop to obviously when you unload the truck at the track, like they've just got that down to a, a, an, an art essentially. Like they just do it so, so well. So, you definitely, you know, try soak as much of that in, learn as much as you can, you know. But then with that comes a lot of pressure, right? You know, like I remember I was in the garage when Shane qualified second at Tail and Bend, and everyone's just like, "Oh, second," <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, "Oh, second's still pretty good, guys." Like, yeah, you, know, you can yeah. probably win the race from there. Yeah, um, from second. Whereas, <laughs> you know, you see. You see, obviously, some of the other teams who aren't always in that winning position. Like, mm. if they get on the podium, like, they've just gone, gone yeah. berserk, you know? And so true, yeah. I think, you know, you've just got to obviously – you've still got to keep that that element of, like, you know, fun and and mm. and not that they, they don't. Like, they, they're they an awesome um, group of people and, you know, there's always, you know, good banter and whatnot. But for sure, there's still a lot of pressure. Like, you know, they sort of feel like – we're at the top. We've got to stay at the top. You know? Yeah. Who was running the Super Two team though? Was it Jess or was it? Because how did they structure it? Obviously, they're not racing next year. But how was it structured this year? So at the start of the year, we had Matt Cook as our um, Super Two sort of team principal, mm. and um, he'd been with Triple Eight for a long time and um, had a lot of experience. You know, he'd worked in F One and everything, and so um, he knew the game like really, really well. And um, it was it was really good to have him when I first got there, and you know, sort of did my first couple of events. But um, he joined Premier, yeah, uh, which yeah. you ended up racing for anyway. I did end up racing for Premier, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he he left to join Premier, and um, obviously that was a big sort of uh, hole that they needed to fill, and that's where um, Jess sort of slotted in. They 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 sort of took two people to, to fill Matt's role because obviously Matt was quite versatile. He had a really good understanding of all of it, you know, because he had worked on the cars himself so he knew what the mechanics are going through and he also sort of knew the the sporting polit- politics side of it as well really well. And so so Jess sort of came in to be that that sort of team manager to do the sporting side of it. And then we had uh, another guy, uh, Jimmy, 
who is sort of in charge of um, doing all their dampers and everything at Triple Eight. Um, he sort of was the crew chief, so he would then, like in debriefs, um, take charge of anything that was mechanical or had to be communicated to um, the mechanics. And whereas Jess would sort of obviously then look at, you know, timings and, you know, when things had to be organised or if we had to be somewhere for a commitment, like she would be on top of all that. Yeah. With your, with your like racing through your dad's racing and his, his engineering schools, as he said, building sports sedans when he was younger and all that type of thing. Has that helped though with your, like where you are now? Do you know what I mean? Like, do, do you go into it with a good mindset? Cause like myself, I, I wish I had that, but I'm learning that with Bart, right? But yeah. you've kind of had that since you've grown up. So does a lot of the engineers around you take like a lot of guidance from, do you know what I mean? Do they, do they take in all what you say or do they take bits in? Does it, is it, does it create a good chemistry? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like leading so, to this year, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I obviously had a new engineer this year, which was Simon Hodge mm. and he's actually a racer himself. Yeah. 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 Uh, Australian gold star, Simon Hodge. Yeah. Um, he, he had Joey Mawson in the S5000. He did. Yeah. yeah, he did. And um, so it was good with Simon and I um, because um, obviously he has the driving experience mm. um, as well as a, a pretty in-depth mechanical knowledge. Yeah. And he was also, you know, in his first year of engineering a supercar, so he had the access to the, the gurus at Triple Eight, like um, Jeremy Moore and Peter Ringwood and Andrew Edwards. So yep. um, he had some really great mentors there. And then I guess, you know, there was, you know, probably a few times at the beginning of the year when maybe he was sort of like – you know, he had sort of two options in front of him and he was sort of like, you know, we, well, we could do this, we can do that. And I think that's where maybe my experience having run my own team and, and been involved from that side of it, I would always say, okay, well, why don't we, you know, put that change in first and then halfway through the session we can, you know, do that as a, uh, you know, option. And, and so Simon and I worked really well like that because, you know, we could plan what mm. we wanted to do um, and we were just really practical about it. Um, yeah. but yeah, definitely, um, running the team with dad, you know, I've spent many a late night on the setup patch, mm. you know, getting the car right for, you know, the, the weekend or whatever it is. And so I certainly have a pretty good tactile feel or appreciation yeah. for, you know, and when, you know, Simon and I were sort of talking about changes we wanted to make, you know, I could sort of understand what it was, what it entailed, you know, yeah. if it's a big job, if it's a small job. Um, I think he was like, oh, let's change the rear roll bar. Um, this, this was like 20 minutes before the session. I said, no, nah, don't do that to the boys. That's, yeah. uh, that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay, no, we won't. Um, What's your thoughts on the Super 2 and Super 3s next year? Do you reckon they should have, I, in my opinion, right, they should have merged the Super 2 and Super 3s together with the cars coming through because there's not enough chassis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what's your take on that? Because you've raced a season of it. Do you? think they could have gone a bit, a, a bit um, I understand the arrow is a bit different, but to fill the pack, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the problem is then you would almost have like a two tier super two. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the ZB uh, and the Mustang is definitely a big step up in performance to the, the VF uh, and the FG. So just in downforce, like, um, you know, at tracks like Bathurst, it would make a massive difference at a street track not as much, but like at some tracks, even on the same tire, they can be a second faster. So it was tricky. There, there was no easy way to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think as the, you know, 
have the next few seasons roll on, you know, more cars will probably become available and, and things will sort of filter through. Yeah. Well, we'll go back to your Toyotas for a bit because we haven't spoken about Toyota or Porsche. Yeah, yeah, So Brooke, yeah, and, I yeah. Were, Brooke and I were discussing this because I thought you were dominant. Okay, you were dominating the Toyota <laughs> Sixes, right? Yep. And I was like, I wrote down, I'll be honest here on the podcast, I honestly, I was like, oh, you know, Cameron's won everything because that is, there's been a lot of talk about you joining the pack, right? Yep. So I was like, Cameron's written everything. I'm writing down my notes today. And then Brooke's like, hang on, have you checked your stats? Because I'm the stats man, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, I swear to God, he's won everything. And Brooke's uh. like, Brooke's like, no, 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 check your stats. He's only you were you were dominating that first half of the season, and then it kind of like just fell off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought you, I thought you won it. Do you know what I mean? But so yeah, what happened? What happened in that year? Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, how long do we have? <laughs> we have all the time. We'll yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when when I finished Formula Ford. Mm. Um, like I would have loved to have gone to America. Like I got that uh, a test day in a USF 2000 car. Yeah, in okay. Austin, Texas. Um, and that was just like incredible, you know, to drive at a, you know, Formula One track mm. um, in a wings and slicks car. Oh, so you went to America? Yeah, yeah, I went there. Okay. Yeah, that was the prize for winning uh, the oh, Formula Four championship that year was yeah. to, uh, a test drive overseas. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't the shootout. I think Hunter McElroy when he won the championship, it was a shootout. Yeah. So when he went over there, he then won the shootout, which got him the scholarship to yeah, race over there. Yeah, right. Whereas when I did it, it was just a test day. Um, and it was it was an awesome experience. And, like, I was sold. I was like, man, like, I was a massive IndyCar fan, right? Like, yeah. Oh, so you wanted to go to the open wheel I route. wanted to go. I didn't know that. I wanted to go IndyCar, like, oh, also, bad. Oh, I haven't done my stats then. Yeah. I, I, I said to Brooke, I was like, oh, 100% he wanted to do supercars. So you wanted to do IndyCar yeah. and the open wheel route. Yeah, I, I um, was a big, big IndyCar fan. Yeah. Like, massive willpower fan. And, um, like, when I went over there, I was like, man, this is where we need to be. Like, this is, this is it. And then you sort of get the quotes for, you know, what yeah. it's going to cost to race there. And, it, you know, to be with the top team at the time, which was Cape, um, it was like 300 US. Oof. Yeah, right. And the dollar was like. Yeah, that was back when it was like 50, 50 yeah. cents. <laughs> and so it was like crazy. And it was sort of like the team I tested with, like all year they'd sort of been like a mid-pack team. And I think um, at the at the test day, I think one day we were, we were third quickest and on the next day we were fourth. And so like they were pretty pumped to have me and the deal they offered me was – a really great deal, but even then it was sort of like, nah, it's just not not feasible. You know, we went from yeah know, the little trailer with the wooden wheels on the Formula Ford to get it in, like it, it wasn't going to be within reach. Yeah, and so we sort of came back to Oz and we we're sort of like, well, what are we going to do? Yeah, and that's when Neil Bates, yeah, because he was uh, very integral to sort of setting up the eighty six series, sort of said to us, well, why don't you come do this? And so we sort of committed pretty late to do that you know we were probably um a little bit behind other teams when it came to you know building a car and, and getting organized um but then when we rolled out at winton for the first round you know qualified pole and, and won the first few races and it was sort of like yeah. oh cool <laughs> we're, we're picking up where we left off from formula ford and yeah. um you know we had a great start to the year and then uh, the first little blip was at eastern creek where I'd won the first two races and then the third race there was a big there was a big shunt and um like the ambulance was out on track and um you know it sort of sort of, it's they should have red flagged the race yeah, right because yeah. obviously the guy was maybe not in a good way and yeah. um 
So the race, but we just sort of trundled around on the safety car and then we got told over race radio, um, oh, this, this race is going to finish under safety car. Um, you know, just follow the safety car to the checker flag. Yeah. No worries. I'm not warming my tyres up or anything. I, I look at Will Brown behind me. He's like, weaving. Yeah. What are you doing, man? The race is over. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we come around the final corner. Yeah. Um, you normally, if a safety car comes in, like they turn the lights off yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. And we come around the final corner and all of a sudden the safety car just turns the lights off and comes into pit, pit lane. Like, With on, how many laps on, to go? Like a lap. I don't know. The race yeah, is supposed to finish. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I'm sort of in like fourth gear, like cruising down and I'm like, I'm looking up at the flags, flag stand and I'm going, oh, I should have a check flag. Yeah. And then I see the, the guys holding a green flag. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. So I, I sort of start to like build my speed up slowly, but not a good restart by any means. Mm. And so all of a sudden they've restarted the race. Yeah. This is out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm fully unprepared. Tires are cold, got garbage on them. There was oil at turn one from someone and I've, I've, I've made an absolute meal of turn one. Yeah. And, and wheels got up the inside and then I got hung out to dry and I dropped back to third and like, mate, I was to lose a race like that. Like I yeah. was livid. Like Do you just, remember where you finished that race? Fourth or finished something? Finished third. Third. Okay, cool. I was, I was very, very upset. How did those guys seem to know what was going on? You said if they were oh, up their tyres, were they just kind of waiting well, and hoping? I think now my rule of thumb uh, is essentially play the whistle. Uh, I do not trust race control. If race control says this race is finishing, yeah. I, I'm I'm still ready for the race to restart because if someone throws a green flag, I will I will not be I will yeah. not be making that mistake again. I, I even say to all my Formula Ford kids, if they tell me over race radio, oh, the race is going to finish behind the safety car, I say, just be ready for a restart yeah. just in case. The race will probably finish now. Yeah. So learn my lesson. And then, yeah, we, we just had a, a, a rough run then, you know. Mm. And so maybe as a young driver, I might have – maybe that just sort of rattled me a little bit, having having a race win sort of taken off me like that. Sandown was a rough rough round. I, I made a mistake and outbreak myself and I – Ran into to Tim Brook and you know unfortunately did a lot of damage to both our cars and and so the, and then Bathurst it was just another tough race like like they cancelled qualifying and so we had to we had to start where we finished practice and because the first practice was so much quicker than the second practice because of the cold air yeah I was like started seventh and then you know you're in that battle pack and so yeah. there was just a few things that sort of just didn't go our way. Yeah. Um, but I look, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of lessons. I learned how to deal with obviously, you know, the unexpected, you know, cause I'd sort of had a pretty good run over the past 18 months at that time. And I sort yeah. of did a lot of character development as they say yeah. um, in that time. And so finished that year third, the last round was at Homebush. It was the last ever Homebush. And, um, Will. That was a great track, by the way. I thought it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was challenging. Like, it was cool. What was it like to drive? Because Well, yeah, first street track for me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was cool to sort of send it over the curbs and everything. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was sort of me and Will. Um, Will just had my measure that weekend. He he, he got the win and um, I was sort of chasing him the whole way. But um, it was sort of cool to obviously push each other so hard um, at a track like that. Um but yeah, so then then we went into the second year of of '86 because always sort of looking at what that next step was, and we'd sort of identified that that Porsche mm. 
Carrera Cup would have been a, a good avenue because obviously the cars are all spec, they're all the same. Yeah. And for us as a small team, that presented a good opportunity to sort of compete at a level playing field. Yeah. Um, but it was right at the time where it was the last year of the Gen 1 um, 991. Yep. And so it was sort of like, oh, maybe if we just hold out and wait for the new car because then obviously that way we don't have to then get one car and then immediately replace it. So we did another year of 86s. Um, what was that year like? Because didn't you – you had another crack or was it yeah. another shit show? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so – Qualify on pole at Phillip Island. Yeah. Even though my fastest lap was deleted. Yeah. So on Track pole. limits. Was it No, it was a sporting thing. You're not supposed to line up in the fast lane in 86s if there's a red flag. Yeah. And um, I went and queued up and so. Yeah. Bad, lost, lost the fastest lap. But thankfully, I, I when I went back out there, I did another lap that was good enough to, to put me on the front row. And then I was leading the first race and then um, uh, an adversary, Aaron Seatony, he just sort of, you know, went for a move and didn't quite get in there and, and just sort of punted me and um, it cut my tyre down. Yeah. So I got a flat tyre. So anyway, finished that race last. Next race, because they're such short races, you've got such short time, there's like four green racing laps, you know. I got back to 15th from 36th and then the next race was like only two laps because mm. there was, I don't know if you remember, remember like turn four, there was that massive pile-up and there was like oh, six Toyota 86s. Just pulling it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thankfully, I went left and I didn't go right. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first round, obviously, we didn't get a, a, a huge haul of points, and then and then the recovery sort of started. So, um, you know, we were winning a lot of races, sort of catching back up in the championship, and then we like Townsville. There was a race that got cancelled because the track was blocked, and there was a, a big chance. So there was a few opportunities where we could have scored points where we should get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then we got to to Bathurst, and thankfully this time qualifying did happen. Qualified on pole, and and won the first race. And um, you know that was my you know first time I'd, I'd won at Bathurst. And that was a, a big deal. And then normally after the races the cars go to park for May. Um, but they also did the podium in the park for May area, which was a bit funny. Yeah. Um, and so. There was heaps of people everywhere. Yeah. And uh, when, yeah, this is at Bathurst, isn't it? This is at Bathurst. Yeah, 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 this is at Bathurst. Yeah. And then while all the sort of um, stuff was going on, the cars were in Park for May, one of my crew um, was chatting to some people and, you know, sort of thought he was doing the right thing. He's like, oh, come over, come have a look at the car and yeah, um, yeah. open the bonnet. Yeah. And then <laughs> the car's in Park for May, right? You know, like, yeah. touch the car. Yeah. And oh. then I think someone – said something and oh, then all of a sudden no. the stewards coming over and they're saying, oh, you guys touched the car and parked for me. You can't do that. You're disqualified. And I was, I was gone. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I was. Would that have won you the championship? Well. Technically. It would have won me the championship because if I'd obviously won that race, I would have started from pole. Yeah. And I felt like I would have been a good chance to obviously continue the sort of role that I was on. Yeah. But instead. I was disqualified. I had to start dead last. And then the next race was the race where they had that crash going up Mountain Straight. Yeah. And so I was right behind, might have been Luke King. Yeah. Like pushing him. And yeah. like we were sort of going past a few guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the crash happens up the road. And so he gets on the brakes because there's yeah. a crash in front of him. I can't see it. And so I just like plow into him. Cars like staff the bonnet. There's a great shot of 
Sean Tidyman as I because I drive around, I get back to the pits. This is a great shot of um, him. It was on the news. Yeah, he body slammed the bonnet <laughs> to get it back down. Yeah, um, and we went back out there, but it, it threw a belt, and so I had so I've now had a a, uh, a DQ, and then I had a DNF. Yeah, and then the last race I went from you know thirty six to fifteenth or something, but. See, this is what happens when you don't wear lucky undies. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, right? If I had only worn my lucky undies that day, I must have worn my unlucky ones. Um, so that, yeah, yeah, that was we took a massive hit, right? Yeah, in the points like huge. And then got to Newcastle. Um, there was the first time um, Newcastle happened. Yeah, and um, had a great weekend. You know, like clean, clean swept the weekend and ended up finishing second in the championship. But um, didn't never got to. Never got to win that one. Never got to win it. I've got to actually ask. Then there was the messy COVID years when you were yeah. trying to do it. Oh, yeah, the then that got years. written off. Yeah. So yeah, for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I was. What was I going to say? Oh, that's right. Lockie Gibbons brought it up. Um, because I've never. I've only done state racing. Right. Is it? Is there like a certain technique to get around? Like, is there a certain way to get around street circuits and make yourself quick? Like, because it's a total different. Like the only folks thing I've done is sand down. Right. So. Is there a certain way to be quick around there? Is it, have they been taught like via the 86 coaches? Do you know what I mean? Because that's what Gibbons brought in. With Barguana, he was teaching drivers. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he left there. And, were they giving you advice back then when you were younger? Yeah, you it was really I mean? good to have obviously the uh, mentors in the 86 series, like super useful for obviously yeah. um, so many drivers who haven't, haven't done that sort of level of racing or at a street track or at Bathurst. But for sure, I think to be quick at a street track, you need to be really on top of the car, right? Mm. So you need to have complete trust in the car and you know that if you do something, you know, it's not going to bite you or, or, or you know it's going to stick. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, it's just about taking it's, – it's risk versus reward, mm. you know. So the more risk you take, the closer you get to the walls, you know, the later you break, obviously the faster you go. But obviously, the consequence is you—you know—when you get it wrong, um, there's no margin for error. So, at a f- open track like Eastern Creek or Phillip Island, there is margin for error. You know, you can drop the other side off, put a wheel in the grass, or even have a spin and and come out the other side, and you're okay. Um, but if you do that at a street track, game over. Yeah. So, I think it's—you know—you need to obviously have a lot of confidence in the car, in your ability. And then, you know, you need to know the track as well. It's, it's so important to do track walks mm. at, at street tracks, you know, and look at look at the curbs, look at the road surface, look for those little things because it's those little things that um, can make a, a difference. You can find time or you can, you know, get caught out. Yeah. And you've, after the, you were saying before, you were looking at the the Porsches after the Toyotas. And mm. you, got, you got into Porsches and then you had the, what was it, the Bull Rush Rally team help you out and you did, yeah. you did a bull rush rally. Th- what is, what is that business? I don't understand. He, he loves his cars. What's his name? Simon, I think. Well, there's Simon, Simon and Marco. Simon and Marco. And, there we go. Um, it's a, it's a pretty cool business, right? Like yeah. essentially they, they run an event where all these guys with, uh, you know, luxury cars come together and, and they raise money for charity and, you know, have a little bit of fun along the way. But, um, yeah, they they did some really cool um, sort of uh, liveries, liveries and stuff yeah. for for their rally, and uh, I just bumped into him at Bathurst, and I think the first year of my Porsche racing, the car was pretty plain. Yeah, and um, he was sort of like, oh, maybe we could help out, and um, 
that's when we did that that um, pretty pretty out there livery with the sort of graffiti street art sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a. It was you a were with Garth. Car. You were with Garth Warden your first year, weren't you? Were learning the ropes. Um, how did how did that all work for you? First year, we were very much just sort of on our own, and we were in the deep end. And you know, we went from obviously like we won the Formula Four Championship, and then in the eighty six series where there's not many big teams it's a lot of sort of privateers yeah we went f- from being sort of like one of the more organized little little outfits to create a cup where we were like little fish big pond like mm. out of our depth and we i think we we pitted next to garth a couple times uh he was running india and Pagliacci and um like we didn't have at the beginning, we didn't even have a tire trolley, right? Like yeah, we, okay. we were, we had a plastic table, and then like we just put the, we just stacked the tires out the back, and like at Adelaide, you needed a tender vehicle, you know. And so I'm pretty sure we ended up sharing a tender vehicle. It might not have been at the, at, at Adelaide, but definitely at the Grand Prix. Um, I think they loaned us a tire trolley. That's how it started. Garth Warden, yeah, yeah Garth okay. loaned us a tire trolley, um, and and then you know like I, I just started like a data share where you know. Um, we would share my data and footage for, for Indiran yep. um, to, to look at. And, you know, they would sort of help us with um, like they, they started learning us the pit walling and, and stuff like that. So I think Garth saw a lot of himself in me and, and Colin, you know, yeah. like how he had to do it himself. Like when he raced V8s mm. um, back in the day and he was sort of doing it with his old man. Um, I think he sort of saw what we were doing and, and wanted to help because yeah. he sort of knew how hard it was. Yeah. And with your racing, with with your Porsches, you did, was it two or three years in the Porsches, was it? Or I call it three and a half because yeah, like, like we said, um, yeah. COVID sort of happened. So 2018 was my first year in, in Carrera Cup. Mm. And, yeah, we were in the deep end and we learned so, so much um, in that first year. Like, you know, we went from – sort of the fringe of the top 10 to, you know, I, I finished third outright at Bathurst, you know, which was which was pretty mega. So in our second year, I sort of thought, oh, yeah, we, we learned heaps last year. We'll be sweet this year. Like, we'll be on top of it. But I reckon I learned just as much in my second year in Carrera Cup as I did in the first. It's just that the starting point was a little bit higher. Um, and it was in the second year where we continued our, our relationship with uh, Garth and GWR. And um, started working with Dian Yunich, who was um, one of the engineers there. Yep. Um, and sort of Devashan and, and I um, shared Dian and, and shared data and, and a lot of that. And I that was the first time I had ever worked with like an engineer, like from a data engineer sense. You know, it had always sort of been dad and I doing it paper and pen and, mm. and kind of by Braille, you know, like – We'd have our ideas, you know, dad would change the car, I'd go out, go, oh, that was better or that was worse. And and we sort of did it all by trial and error. Yeah. This is the first time that I'd worked with like an engineer who would like delve into the data and, you know, Dion, he, he's like world-class. He's worked in world rally teams and stuff. And just the stuff that I was exposed to, it was like, you know, the, 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 the whole world opens up yeah. and, and I learned so, so much. And, I look at what my Formula Ford kids get now because I've obviously had the benefit of so much um, wisdom and knowledge and and I'm giving it to them in Formula Ford at the yeah. very beginning of their journey, whereas I, I didn't have that. I looked at the data myself. 
and I didn't have anyone else's data to compare to, like I would always look at my laps and kind of go, okay, well, why did I go quicker on lap eight versus lap seven, you know? And you'd, you'd start to pull the pieces together. But like Dian sort of opened, opened my, my, um, my brain up to a whole new world and I learned so much in that second year of, of Carrera Cup and we definitely took a step up. Like I had my first race win at, at Darwin yep. and um, learned so much. And so then 2020, we were like, now we've got it sorted. Now we're going to go out there and we're going to yeah, and we're going to win this thing, right? And Adelaide was a decent start. Um, you know, was running at the front, um, copped a penalty for a jump start. Only time I've ever done that. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so Adelaide was okay, and then we got to the Grand Prix. Yeah. I qualified on the front row. Grand Prix is such a good event. Like the track is just like. Is it like marble? Is it like so? It's smooth. It's, it's pedicured for Formula One, isn't it's it? It's funny though because the Formula One guys think it's bumpy, but mate, it is smooth as a billiard table, <laughs> right? And it's fast, and it's actually like you think, oh, yeah, Albert Park, right? You don't think street circuit because it is yeah. kind of like a permanent track. Like it uses a few bits of road here and there, but it's still pretty daunting because, like, the walls. Yeah, there's runoff, but there's like 10 meters of runoff. Yeah. And you're going 200 plus. So you're not going to slow down in 10 meters. You're still going to hit the wall if you get it wrong. So it's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty cool place to, to race, especially in a cup car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, start on the front row and, and, um, snuck into the lead early on and, and then held on in, in the enduro race on the Thursday afternoon and, and got the win. So we're thinking, oh, this is good. Like the car was feeling mint. I'm feeling mint. We've won the first race. We're starting pole. Yeah. Race two, go home. And then you sort of wake up the next morning and there was all these like articles that like, oh, you know, the race might be cancelled, blah, blah, blah. Oh, apparently Kimi Raikkonen's already gone on a plane and yeah, left. Sebastian and, Vettel and Raikkonen, yeah. they're already gone home. And it was sort of like, what's going on? Yeah. And then we got told by Porsche, no, 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 it's still all good. Mm. Come to the track. So then we get to the track and, and we're sitting around, we're sitting in the Porsche lounge. It was just this like weird vibe because there was just like not much happening. And we're sort of like, what's going on? And then like I, I spoke to one of my mates, um, Glenn Higgins. He was working on oh, one of the other categories that were there yeah. um, on the other side of the paddock. Ex-Formula Ford mechanic. Yeah, ex yeah, he, he still, works for, still works for Mike now, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he did. He did work for oh, Mike. Okay. Uh, he might have gone home. He's, he's originally Darwin-based. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, so he stopped working for him. He's not there at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, he even worked for us for one year. Yeah, I remember While that. he was working in the Spectrum factory, yeah. he was working for our team in the National Series. Um, yeah, right. Because so I don't think Mike um, really had uh, a team that year, and so um, – Glenn, Glenn was quite competitive and he wanted to win and he he, he spanned it for Tom Sargent. Um, but, yeah, I, like I spoke to Glenn and Glenn's like, mate, we've been told it's over. Like, we're gone. Like, we're packing up. The, the cars are in the truck. And I'm like, we haven't been told. Yeah. We're still here. We've, we're, yeah. You know, the race is in, in an hour. I think there was like the TCR guys, like they were suited yeah. up on the grid. Yeah. And um, no, events off, which to this day you have to think, that's insane. Yeah. It was there. The yeah. track was built. Yeah. Like, okay, Formula One guys went home, but like 
They but, still could have run the supercar race. Yeah, because yeah. the, the crowd wasn't allowed in. Because I remember that because that was the very first event of anything in COVID, whether it be sport Correct. or whatever, that was actually shut down. And they remember them filming everyone down there at the gates going, can we go in? And they said no. And then so that's what so you guys are all su- – they didn't show that part on the news of everyone being suited up down yeah, there ready the to go. Yeah, the TCR guys I think were ready to race. That's what I mean. They weren't showing that to everyone no. else. They were like, nope, it's over, everybody out. And yeah, that's when right. we were all sitting at home going, what is happening right now? It yeah. was it's, it was unprecedented really. Mm. Like I know so many people who flew down Friday morning to go to the Grand Prix and they were on flights going home that day because it was just so bizarre and – it wasn't really here yet. It was only because the F1 teams had come from Europe mm. and I think McLaren had a, a positive case and so that whole team was like, oh, we're in isolation now. Rumour has it it was colour signs. Did you hear that? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. <laughs> but obviously it, it had already it had already sort of taken off in Europe yeah. and so all the F1 drivers kind of threw their, their, their toys out of the cot and went, no, 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 we can't race in this climate. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's unsafe. But in Australia, no one even knew what COVID was. Yeah, like, we, were, yeah. we went out. Yeah. We went out Friday night and um, <laughs> all the drivers and stuff were, were there. Joey yeah. was there with Ollie. and We all partying, were you? All- yeah, we, we, we all went out. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. didn't even think, oh, this virus, you know, like, oh, yeah. we need to be careful. Like, we, we just went out. Well, I think we're all going to work still because I think yeah. we were still being made to go to work, but you were kind of like going into the city to work, but there's this weird vibe of do we go, don't we? It no one knows what to do. so right? weird. Like, what yeah. are the rules, you know? like The rules change every day. And they did change. <laughs> they changed every day. Isn't it crazy? Like, we're so lucky in a way that we're, we're kind of living normal lives again, like yeah. not having to think about, you know, how, yeah. many, how many rolls of toilet paper do I need to buy when I go to the shops? <laughs> yeah. That was silly. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I can't believe we lived through that, actually yeah. fighting for toilet paper doing that. Do you remember yeah. seeing the weird, like, face masks that they put on the internet? Remember, like, the, the Americans oh, doing people, it? Oh, people even here, people with underwear on their oh, face and God. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was out of control. Yeah. Yeah. It was just such a weird time, like, just to live through it was that. Out, and look, you know, there was definitely times where, you know, like, you, you worry. You don't want to go out and you don't want to get – this yeah. bad virus. Yeah. Um, and I think back then, obviously, those original strains were um, they, they packed a punch. But yeah. But you know, like it was funny. You know, it was the other week. Um, I'm sitting on the couch with Emily, my partner, and uh, we we don't mind having a Toblerone or something after. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's sounds our, like us. Yeah. That's yeah. our, um, our uh, treat. And uh, we're sitting there, and she's just like, "Oh, I can't taste it." And I'm like. What do you mean? You can't taste it. It tastes great. What are you yeah. talking about? I <laughs> love this. Yeah. And she's like, I can't taste it. And I'm like, hmm, maybe you've got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we go to the cupboard and we like, we dust off the, the rat tests. Yeah. yeah. Sitting there for ages and, um, you know, did the rat. And yep, she's got COVID. She's COVID positive. And I'm like, oh, I guess I better take one. Yeah. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. That my dad my dad just recently got it and they'd been worried being older. And then my mum like he was dying of it. My mum's there, they're both like sixty five, and then yeah. she no not a thing. To this day, not a thing. Crazy. We're like, so hang on, let us let us work this out. Nothing can kill you. <laughs> my yeah, dad's there just yeah. like going, What is this? Yeah, yeah. yeah Brooks Brooks mum's bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> Indestructible. The little Italian you can't get rid yeah. of. Her. Yeah. yeah, I need yeah. some of that too. Yeah. How'd you um, how'd you meet Emily, by the way? 
Oh, I don't know if that's appropriate for the podcast. Oh, you can, you can, you can, oh, you, come you, you can, you can, you can change, you can change the story a bit if you need to. Um, no, Emily, uh, she was, um, a massage therapist okay. at a, a physio clinic in Canberra. Yep. And, um, I had had ever since, uh, 2018 Grand Prix, mm. I stalled on the grid in Carrera Cup and, um, got hit from behind and, um, it, I got injured, um, and I had like a hematoma on my back and oh. um, it like swelled up like a softball. Um, I think like the injury healed, right? But then the problem was because I had been sort of not doing anything for like two weeks and like everything heals, like my whole back like Yeah, tightened it gets up. really tight. Tightened you, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think problems that I probably would have had way down the track um, sort of reared their head, you know, it's sort of like, oh, you know, you don't use your core enough and that's why, you know, you use your lower back too much and this yeah. and that. And so, like, I always just, like, had a lot of trouble with just, like, my back being, like, really tight and, like, locking up. Um, and then uh, Ben Gathercole, who's sort of like a performance coach to me and, and mentor, he's like, oh, you need to go to this um, clinic, yeah, phys- this clinic, you know, there's a good physio there and um, – Physio was like, oh, yeah, you know, you. In Canberra? In Canberra. Yeah. Um, yeah. Physio was like, yep, no, nah, we need to get you doing these stretches and, um, you know, probably get get you some treatment. That'll definitely help. And so booked in to, um, you know, just keep, keep getting um, soft tissue remedial massage treatment. And um, first massage therapist was okay, you know, sort of was like, yeah, you know, I feel a little bit better, not not much. And then I went to book in again and they were like, oh, would you like um, so-and-so or would you, would you like Emily? And I'm like, I'll give Emily a try because, you know, maybe she'll she'll be better than uh, the one that I had the first time. Yeah. And anyway, so I go the next time and um, out walks Emily and, she, you know, she's she's my age. She's yeah. um, quite cute. And um, I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and turns out, Really fucking good massage therapist. <laughs> like I have never been in so much agony ever. Like she's she's short, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what how she just like pack this punch and like I'd I'd be in like agony. I'm like, uh, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, every time I, I went, um, yeah, definitely definitely felt way better when I walked out. I'm like, oh, God, I can stand up straight and, and all that. Um, but also like we got along really well, you know, so, um, that's Emily, right? Like she can get along with anyone, like is super, super, um, did you ask her out though? Like after a session? Getting to that, Dan. Okay. Right up to that part of the story. (laughs) Jump it ahead, Dan. I'm really excited by it. It's good. It's a good story. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we, we got along, right. And, you know, I, I learned more about her and how she, you know, um, she, she basically, you know, had a year to go of her studies and she would have been a, a fully qualified physio, um, but she also did like personal training and yeah, you know, right. had, had a lot on her plate, right? She, she sort of ran her own business on, on as well as sort of working in this clinic and, mm. you know, she, she knew nothing, nothing about motorsport. Yeah, okay. So, you know, she's now got this race car driver trapped, you know, for an hour and she can, you know, ask all these questions and, you know, I'm sort of trying to explain it to her, like what it all means. And um, I probably knew her for about 12 months, honestly. Like I, I was sort of just going in, going there, sort of 
fortnightly or if I couldn't go for a month because there was events, you know, get back in later. And obviously I thought, oh, you know, she's a really cool chick, you know, like we get along, you know. We seem to be able to talk for like the hour nonstop. Um, But like I don't know the rules about this sort of thing. Like she's (laughs) – she's what if she's just being like, super nice because like she is and maybe yeah. she's being like super <laughs> nice and you know she doesn't actually like me at all right so yeah. i just did nothing about it did yeah. nothing about it right yeah. um but really really you know enjoyed um you know hanging out whenever i'd go there and um get the treatment so yeah. um i think you know she gave me her number at some point just in case like I would ever need to like cancel because every now and then I'd be like, oh, I'm going away now. Um, sorry, I can't make it. So yeah, yeah. I could just text her. Very convenient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she gave you the hint. Then, <laughs> oh, maybe. Oh, maybe that was the hint. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Again, she yeah. could just be being nice. Yeah. Hey, you have your physio's number. Yeah, that's true. Oh, <laughs> I don't know no, if no. Anthony's going to ring you no, anytime no. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Different type of. Okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then – you know, I sort of was like, you know what, nah, no way, no, no way. Yeah, she can just be being nice. Like we we talk like so much, <laughs> and so then you know, I just would start to just text her. Yeah, just like you know, but like, yeah, just being like- super cautious because you know, again. I don't know the rules. I don't want to break. I don't want to. I don't want to stuff up. Did you ever ask like friends or your dad or anyone for advice when you're in this situation at this point? Mm. Were you being like really like holding it to yourself? Yeah, I was playing it pretty close to my chest. <laughs> I think you know, I was. I, I didn't want to. Didn't want to stuff up or. Yeah. Um. You know. Have word get out that I'm 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 in love with my my such therapist. <laughs> you know. It kind of mirrors so, your like your your parents' love story in a way, doesn't it? Because uh, it meets through business, right? In a way, yeah, true. Co- so true. So um, Cole didn't butt in and go, oh, you know, maybe try like this. No, no. Yeah. Cole and I, we, we only talk about race cars. Right? <laughs> we we only talk about race cars. But um, yeah. So just start texting her, and yeah. um, you know, then I think I. I rang her one time because she was like driving up to Sydney, and I was like, "Oh, I'll ring you to keep you company." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just sort of playing the slowest game ever. Yep. And then basically, she cracked it, and she was like, "What's the go, Cameron?" You know, like <laughs> I was about to say, the fact that you rang her to say, "I'll keep you company while you're driving," I was like, "Come on, she knows." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So <laughs> she. By the way, by the way, Brooke Brooke does that. Like I was panicking at Wakefield Park earlier this year, right? And Brooke's like, oh, I'm driving and I'm completely oblivious. Yeah. I I, I don't get signs too. Like I'm a bit. Yeah, he he won't pick it up either at all. Brooke has has to like push me to understand (laughs) that she loves me. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm hearing this story and I'm like, she knew. She was just waiting for you to like get there. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I was was shit scared that I was – what if she was just being nice? Mm. And then and then one, embarrassing. Yeah. Two, lose a really good massage therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What am I gonna do? Go, go find another one. Like <laughs> that that sucks. Yeah. So um but no, she she basically just was like, um, what what's the story here? Like, you know, you're just you're beating around the bush, like, come on. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh well, I guess I I guess I like you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um then she's like, good, because I like you too. And it's like, oh, God. 
Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Then then we went on a date. You know, I think we walked the dogs the first time, and then walked her dogs. Uh, my or dog, your, oh, dog okay. play date. Oh, a dog play date. Um, yeah, dog play date was first date. Oh, that's kind actually- of. She she doesn't reckon that was the first date. She reckons that was just hanging out. Okay, that might have been before she she bailed me up. Yeah, can't the time. Oh, you should you should have played the game. Well, Brooke played the game with me where she was trying to like get me to three months. So she knows that. Oh, no, that. that's because, okay, Dan, so you, everyone, well, yeah, with your autism, he kind of like, we, we did three dates and he goes, this means you're my girlfriend. Right. And I was ah. like, no, no, yeah. no, no. So I'm a straightforward thinker. Three dates, you pass the test. That makes good sense. To go. That makes sense. So he was straight in there, like, we're done. Well, yeah. I did appreciate that after, like, it was anyone who's been through, you know, dating and online dating, people stuffing you around. I knew where I stood with Dan. Yeah. I can't yeah, complain. Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> Exactly right. So no. you're a numbers man. You may have thought the same as me. Okay, you know, first date, second date, you know. So uh, the first one didn't. The first one on her on her end did not count. No, the first one apparently didn't count. Look, it's a okay. matter of opinion. Yeah, um, right. So you got to go for the fourth date. <laughs> so yeah, second date, you. second date definitely was the first date. Yeah, you know, like Emily, like as you can probably gather, is like super active. Like yeah. you know, always always out walking, running, up a hill, down a hill. Training, pretty much so, like what Brooke does with me. Um, <laughs> this basically. is what we learn for anyone listening with like the race car drivers. You look active, and when you're in the car, you're active. That's the that's your happy place to be active. But yeah. other sports and that, it's like, uh, do I really have to do this? So yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a runner. No, nah, by any means, that's don't don't yeah. do running. <laughs> I enjoy enjoy like cycling, enjoy mountain biking, running. No, yeah. but um, yeah, I I went I went on runs. Because uh, really, yeah, that, wow. that is uh, a cool, cool way to spend time together. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't 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 go on many runs anymore. No, we've, we've gotten past that. So, um, but oh, um, did, and you made the whole you made the whole run, or did you, did you uh, get to a walking nah, stage? Yeah, th- there was breaks. We had breaks. <laughs> <laughs> we had breaks. Yeah, um, but no, she. Um, yeah, that was that was first. We went for a walk, I think, uh, around the lake and and got a coffee and all the rest of it. Uh, enough about me. Enough about enough about enough about enough about your dating life. I actually want to get back to your current year next racing year. Racing cars, racing cars, which yeah. you got truck assist racing on your helmet. Yes, on your helmet. I was actually saying hat. <laughs> More so used to saying helmets because there's helmets over there. Yep. But um, yeah. So you're going. You've raced literally every generation of car, really, haven't you? You've gone in the in the co-driving. You've done the current generation that going mm. to a Super Two. Mm. You raced the one that's going to a Super Three. And then now you're – have you dr- driven the Gen 3 I've yet? I've driven the Gen 3. Yeah, um, okay. So, yeah, I guess that is that is a pretty cool stat. Um, yeah. Having driven the VF this year in Super 2, the ZB at uh, Bathurst, and um, now Gen 3 next year. So, um, it's it's yeah, it's been cool. Um, and But also, it's like the perfect timing, right, because I haven't been in one particular car – for too long so it's yeah. not like I've tied my driving style to a specific model or, or car or anything so I sort of feel like um, with Gen 3 um, you know hopefully that sort of leaves me with a, a lot of flexibility to sort of pick up uh, the new car and, and sort of run with it. Mm. Are you excited for it though like do you, you don't really know what's going to happen because obviously you had we were talking about this off the podcast Peter Addison a lot of people were throwing stones right it happens on the internet all the time race car right right but you have done all this shit beforehand, which I was just you saying to Brooke, you've won everything under the sun. 
And now you're going into it, you're just going into it like a normal one instead of Super 2 because this year kind of Super 2 didn't plan out you know, in terms of racing laps. Are you just essentially taking that knowledge, what you had from that, straight into the, into the supercars? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I sort of feel like I've got a pretty well-rounded, um, you know, experience from what I've done in my career. I've raced in a lot of different categories. Mm. Um, obviously, having done it the way I've done it, I sort of feel like I've had a pretty – hands-on involved um, experience as well. So mm. I definitely feel like, you know, as a, as a driver, I'm definitely really well-rounded in that sense. Like it's not like I've only been driving and that's all I know. I definitely sort of um, understand the whole big picture when it comes to um, motorsport. And so I sort of feel like that's always been my strength is probably just the the racing IQ side of things. Like, in the early days of Carrera Cup, like in practice sessions and qualifying sessions, I was making most of the calls, you know, just mm. by the seat of my pants kind of going like, okay, yep, no, nah, there's nothing left I can do on this set of tyres. Like let's box and, and put the new tyres on. So yep. um, I sort of feel like, you know, I'm definitely really well prepared to to take the step up. And Super 2 for me was means to an end, right? Like you have to do it to get the Super licence to, mm. um, to then compete and – you know, the, the supercar teams want to see you um, I essentially go into their system and drive their cars, right? Um, it's funny, a lot of people always say like, oh, God, it must be like so different driving a supercar to a cup car. 95% of it is the same, yeah, right? Like you're still braking as late as you can, trying to go through the corner as fast as you can, get out of the other side as fast as you can. Um, the level of performance of the car's very similar, like when you look at lap times, a 206 in a Super 2 car is quick and a 206 in a Cup car is quick. The braking distances are all very similar. So 95% of it is the same, and that's why I feel like I made the transition like really quick. Yeah. Um, but there is those like super subtle nuances which help you sort of probably extract, you know, another sort of three or four tenths that, you know, you do sort of start to pick up over time and, and definitely towards the end of the year. Um, I sort of probably noticed those things that I can probably do to to squeeze a little bit more yeah. lap time out of the car. Um, but Gen 3 is new again. I do think it will be really quite similar to um, the current cars. Like the DNA of the car is the same. It's just that it has less downforce yeah. really. So um, the car might move around a little bit more, but it's still going to be a V8 supercar. It, it kind of reminisces of the like – the way I've seen those cars, like the the late nineties kind of supercar, where they're going to be, as you said, moving around a lot more, and yeah, yeah. But you know, as soon as the teams get their hands on these cars, yeah, and start really sort of delving into the setup, like they'll they'll get more performance out yeah. of the Gen three cars, and you know, we'll probably end up doing lap times just as fast, if not faster. It's always the way, isn't it? Like even Formula One, they always bring out new rules. To make the cars slower, and then and it? then they go faster. Yeah. So um, I think you know the cars are still going to be super quick, um, and yeah, the how they achieve their lap time just might be slightly different. You know, um, it might be more so under brakes or um, you know putting the power down. They might be a bit better. We don't know, but we'll soon, we'll soon find what's your, what's your take on obviously with Adderton and other guys like the charters even racing when, when you were racing Bathurst 1000, right? A lot of guys want to get into supercars, but there's not enough charters. What's your take on that? Should they expand more to 28, for example, 
or or is there, is there a reason that there's a risk why the teams are saying no to that? Um, look, there are, there are reasons mm. behind Supercar's decision to to keep it at the number that they have it at. Mm. But wouldn't it be cool if they had like a model? I think NASCAR kind of uses this model. Yeah. So say you've got your twenty five tenders or yep. charters, racing charters, whatever yeah. you want to call them, franchises. Franchise, yep. And those people are guaranteed a spot in the show, right? Yep. They will always be there. They get a slice of the pie when it comes to the revenue. Like they, they're uh, essentially a core team, right? Mm. But then imagine if if you had a V8 supercar, um, you could essentially qualify for the field. You yep. know, and say they've got – 30 spots and say 33 cars turned up and obviously the 25 that, uh, you know, official tenders, they, they make the field, but then the rest of the guys, they've got to qualify to play, you know? Yeah. And then you would get quality guys who obviously haven't been in the position to get a tender to be full time, but they're good enough to, you know, have a team to run the car. And how many grid spots would you allow though? If you were the boss, because I've done this on way on podcasts previously. If mm. you're a supercars boss for now, I've even done a blog on it. Mm. How many tenders would you allow? So your your system works right, mm. but how many would you allow to qualify on the grid? Oh, just what's the grid capacity? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so you you would say you're wanting to fill up the whole grid and then kind of like the early 2000s in a way. Is that what you would? Well, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't that be ideal? Yeah, Why talking they? fifty car grids. If it if it's a quality if it's a quality field, right? Yeah. Like um, the risk obviously is you don't want people who, you know, maybe just have the money but aren't taking it seriously and they just turn up. And and that's why it would have to be, you know, you have to make maybe like the 105% rule or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yep. bring that in and, and sort of make it so that qualifying isn't easy. Yeah. But if you're motivated enough and if you're good enough and you can qualify, why not? Yeah, that's like, it. That's a good segue though, because we're getting Tommy Sargent on season three, who yeah, who, who you've mentored for yes. a long time. You guys are obviously rent, was it? It was kind of like a late entry into that field this year, wasn't it? With the with the BMW, or was that was that six prepared? Hour. Yeah, the six hour was that prepared a year in advance, or was that just bought within six months and then? No, no the the idea was birthed mm. um, well in advance, probably when the year before. Mm. Uh, let me get my dates. Um, twenty twenty two it is. So twenty twenty one, we ran Tom Sargent and Lachlan Maneef in Class D. Yep. In the Toyota eighty six, and we we won Class D. We had a great day. We finished fifteenth outright. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Craig, Tom's old man, and my old man, um, they were they were sitting there, you know, and they started to scheme. They said, "Oh, wouldn't it be?" Wouldn't it be cool if we we tried to win this race outright? And then um, they they did all this homework in secret. You know, what car would you get? What car would you get if you yeah. wanted to win the six hour? At the time, the M3s and the M4s were sort of the pick. Yeah. So easy choice would be to get an M3 and M4. Yeah. But very recently, not not that long ago, the M2 competition had mm. sort of been released just after a lot of these guys built their M3, M4s. Yep. Um, and on paper, it looked like a good thing. Yeah. The same engine, sort of the same drive line as the M3, M4s, but it was smaller. Yeah. It was a little bit lighter. And so we're sort of like, that could be a good good thing. 
Mm. And so more research gets done by Craig. Um, Craig's the kind of guy that, you know, just will will scroll through classifieds of cars yeah. and trucks and, and things like that. And so anyway, they found this BMW M2. I don't know if it was on Gumtree or something. Yeah, right. It was a stat write-off. Yeah. Had, um, the airbags had, had gone off. It had been in a in a fender bender or something. And um, Anyway, this M2 turns up on a trailer at our workshop and, like, I'm beside myself because I'm just like, oh, no. More shit to work on. No. <laughs> we are way too busy. Like, we've got way too much on. This thing is going to kill us. Yeah. This is going to kill us. Um, this, when was, when, no, there was a year where there wasn't a six hour. Uh, wouldn't have Maybe been. it was 2021 that there wasn't a six hour. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, it was, 20, of COVID. Yeah. It was 2020 when we won class D because I remember yeah, it, was it, was, 21. it was kind of good timing. Cause what ended up happening was COVID was happening. Mm. And so oh, obviously there was no racing all of a sudden. Yeah. That, this Bimmer turned up and I'm yeah. and it was sort of like, oh, okay, well, obviously we don't have much to do. Yeah. So let's let's start working on this BMW and we'll start building it. And we so that was okay, because obviously we had a bit of time. But then obviously when things started to come back online, it was sort of like, oh my God, like we gotta go racing again. Um and there was it was twenty twenty one when we were building the car because you know Tom Tom won the the Formula Four championship and so the end of the year was just like stacked. Mm. I had my Carrera Cup racing, had Formula Four racing. There was like six race weekends in eight weeks or something like it was just like but, yeah. mental. Yeah. Um, and so the BMW just kind of like it was, it was like ah don't have time to work on it. But then it was sort of like okay we got through that and then it was like right well we need a six hours sort of coming up now and we really need to crack on with this. And yeah. like, it was just nowhere near being ready because every sort of step along the way, because no one had built one, you had to figure it out. You had to yeah. solve the problem. And um, we, we, we had parts coming from overseas that like were supposed to arrive in November. We didn't get them till like late February, early March. Yeah. And so – we were so late. Like we were this close to just going, no, nah, we're not going to make it. We'll pull out. Yeah. But we sort of like, oh, we're here now. We just we just got to push on. We just got to get it done. Yeah. And um, we sort of finished the car and um, we started it up. Yep. It's just like, this is about three weeks before the six hour. Started up, it starts. Hallelujah doesn't go into drive or, or yeah. anything like it's just so many fault codes yeah like no nah, it's lighting up like christmas it tree. doesn't want a bar of it it just yeah. it's hating life all right yeah. it doesn't want to to exist it's just like no what have you done to me um but thankfully throughout the process um craig had been having a few discussions with Barrett linton yeah up in queensland and he obviously runs a few of the bimmers in the mm. production car series and at the six hour and I think they were probably just taking pity on us more than anything because they knew we were building this car and they knew we were going to have problems. Yeah. And they said to us, if you can get the car to Queensland on Monday, we'll have our guys plug into it and um, you know help you out with some of the, the, yeah. the issues that you're going to have. And so it was like, oh, okay, let, let, let's do it. We've got to do it. And so um, Colin, Craig and Tom – put the car in the truck and went off to Queensland. I 
I had something I had something super two on, mm. so I, I couldn't be there. But thankfully, they got there. Barracks guys, in a way, they were very nice, and they they helped us out. But I, I think they also were like, "Ooh, this thing looks serious." Like the red mist went down at that um, time. They were like, mm. "So they they got us going." Mm. Um, but like we we were like, oh, "Oh, we need we need help. Like we need to get a tune in the car. Like mm. we need a dyno. We need you know like all this. Like what do we do?" And they're just kind of like, "Ooh." Yeah, uh, yeah, and nah. yeah, figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. and um, we so th- they we they went out to QR and they um did a shakedown. Yep, and the car car ran car, car ran faultlessly. So it was like good, okay. Then we brought it to uh, Eastern Creek because this is now this is like two weeks before before about six hours. So it turned its first laps. The only thing that went wrong was ran out of fuel. Yeah, stopped. Okay, sure. Uh, and then we went to Sydney Motorsport Park to just get more laps. Like there was like, it was a race meeting. I think it was a state round. Yeah. And former Fords were competing there. I had um, Imogen and, and Jimmy racing. Yeah. Um, but we just got special permission to run the the prod touring car in like sports sedans or something. Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. Just, just for the practice day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was wet. Like it was super wet, you know. And so like we were just sort of, yeah. Out there putting miles in the car, and we had a uh, a young guy named Lockie Donahue who seems to be a bit of a BMW specialist, and he was sort of there, and he was like um, plugging into it and helping us out with a few things, and because mechanically we were fully across the car, but it's just all the computers, yeah, the ECUs and everything. The, these modern cars are so complex, so really lucky to have him there. You know, so the car's probably done forty laps, yeah, total. And we went to Bathurst. And so we were severely, severely underdone. Like we were like, we don't know if this thing's going to go six hours. Like yeah, it was, we had our asses hanging out, getting mm. to the track, you know, and like we got the, to the track and every night was, every day was like a 15-hour day because like we were working on the car still. Like we were yeah. still finishing things on the car, like all the detail stuff like the where the dry brake fuel system was, we had had it mounted sort of in the the rear window, which was like a special uh, thick perspex. But every time we hooked the fuel connector up, it broke the perspex. Yeah, right. and so we um, called uh, one of the guys who works for us uh, a little bit um, in Canberra, and he he went into our, our workshop, got some materials, gave it to Emily. Um, who was driving up with uh, one of the other mechanics, Zach, who was also my Super Two mechanic? We roped yeah. him in for the because he's like, we we need we need some yeah. good hands. So then they were like an emergency care package that you know brought some more bits up, and then Dad fabric was fabricating yeah. stuff at like Wednesday night, fitted it to the car, and um, you know went through scrutineering and um, you know there was just so many things we had to do, fuel capacity check, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Anyway, and then fuck, first practice arrives. We're like, wow, this you know, we're finally we're finally gonna get to do this. Go out on the track. Yeah, we go out there. We're at we're at the mm, the, the pleb the pleb end of pit lane, right? Yeah. All the serious contenders are up the top end. You know, garages mm. one to ten. We're in garage thirty one or thirty two or something. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, and we go out and, you know, Tom Tom sort of does the first few laps and then all of a sudden he goes purple to sector one. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got a good chance this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a good thing. Yeah. And from that moment we sort of were like um, I jumped in, did a few laps and like on one of my laps like I was up like four seconds. Mm. Um, and then, But then there was like a yellow flag at the chase so then like I back out. And then, and then the red flag comes out. I'm like, oh, kind of a good thing that I backed out. Mm. Um, and then from that point on, we were just sort of like, all right, we need to be smart about this because this car is a jet. Mm. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want to go too hard. So um, we just sort of just focused on doing, you know, race runs, just making sure, just tweaking the car to make it really stable, um, you know, doing fuel checks and all these things. So just really just focused on, making yeah. sure the car was right for Sunday because um, we sort of knew that the car was quick. Yeah. And then I think it was practice three, you know, I, I, I'd sort of went out and it was really hard with traffic. Like you had a lot of traffic. And so I did a couple of good sectors and then boxed and it was more about giving Tom as much seat time as possible at Bathurst because he'd only done it in yeah. the Toyota, right? So this was obviously a big step up. And so get Tommy back in. So I think I had sector two and then he goes and does sector one and sector three and you look at the theoretical lap time and you're like, oh, that's fast. And so um, D was like, oh, do we let him finish the lap? And I'm like, just let him finish. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's when, yeah, Tommy went to the top of the timesheets and it was sort of like, whoop, here we are. Yeah. We're, we're, we've got a good thing. Um, and so then we sort of came up with a plan. It was sort of like, you know, let's give the car to Tom Mm. For qualifying, you know, let him sort of show his stuff and uh, yeah. up against some big names, and he did a stellar job. Like to to put on pole, like it was really really cool to see. Like I think we heard uh, a few of our friends were at the top of the mountain, and you know all the names: Nick Percat, mm. Dave, Dave Russell, Deep Pasquale. They're all sort of there, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Tom Sargent goes yeah. to the top, and they said. Who the fuck is Tom Sargent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um he's on he's on P1 and like that was such a cool moment, you know, just for us as a team. It's like, wow, like all this hard work that went into building this car, it's paying off. And then the world came crashing down on us. Um, the car went to scrutineering and it felt ride height. Yeah, right. And like we're just we were just like beside ourselves because it's just just not something we would ever do you're like dad is always so anal about these things and yeah. to, so to be caught on something like that um and but what would have been happening is every session you'd come in off the track and you'd go to the scales um and the scrutineers would sort of just like stick the the thing under yeah and then they give you the thumbs up but what's happening is you're coming in off the track and the tires are stinking hot like they're right up in their operating pressures but what had happened was after qualifying they brought us straight through into pit lane mm to do an interview. So the car sat there for 45 minutes and by now like the sun's gone down, the car cooled down and, and the tires, you know, they, they dropped like 10 PSI, right? Mm. So anyway, the car goes back and um, they do a really thorough check. And I think because we were so wrung out and tired, like normally dad would be really thorough and, and go over and check all that stuff. But we'd sort of just gone, oh, well, they told us we were okay, so we're okay. But the rule in production cars is there's nowhere on the car Mm. That can be lower than 100 mil, um, except the exhaust, essentially. But what it was was the, the the cooling fins on the diff 
whole car passed, except the cooling fins and the diff were a little bit lower. And so when they were put it in, then it went uh, donk. Yeah. And like we failed, right? Like it failed by like seven or eight mil. Like it was way too low. But it was just like. <sighs> After all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then you went. Everyone inside, you know, Tommy was like gutted, right? Like mm. the poor kid. Um, he was beside himself in tears, essentially. And so then we were there having dinner. Like it was a really cool thing. Like we had a tent set up next to our truck, and um, uh, our families, like um, Tom's mum and and my mum, and we were like we we're all sort of cooking the dinners and um, yeah. had our little catering tent. And so we're all there, a little bit gutted, right? Mm. Um, and we like we were the last team to leave that night because essentially like you know we spent ages we were on the setup patch like made sure that lifted the car up we didn't want this to happen again and we I I sort of got up in front of the team and said like guys obviously you know today was a pretty disappointing result but that doesn't take anything away from all our efforts that we've done so far like to get yeah. here to build the car for it to be as well prepared as it is for it to be as fast as it is for Tom to go out there and beat mm. all these V8 supercar drivers. Like what we've done is incredible and really I don't think our chances of winning are that much different starting 60th or if we start on the front row. And so we all sort of agreed that we're like, yep, new day tomorrow, let's go do it. You know, and so the strategy made sense for, for Tom to start. So it goes Tom, me, Tom, me. Yep. Um, so Tommy started the race and um, I reckon he had a pretty exciting first few laps. I think he I think he passed like 40 cars in like yeah. three or four laps. Like it was insane, you know, yeah. and um, all of a sudden, you know, half an hour into the race, we're in the top 10. It's like we're in the race. Yeah. Like yeah. all of yesterday's problems just yeah. gone. Yeah. And now we're in the race and um, – just the way it sort of unfolded, like um, we we got to the lead and we led for for a while, and um, then it sort of became quite clear that we were going to be racing the that number eight car of Tim Slade and mm. um, Brad Carr, and so then it's just all about like where when the safety cars fall, yeah, you know, and so we had one go against us, which gave them the strategic advantage, and so they were essentially like a pit stop up on us. And so um, we were in the lead, but, like, we knew we were probably going to come out of the pits 30 seconds behind them um, after the last stop. Yeah. And so then we're there with – so Dion, who was my engineer in Crow Cup, he was engineering the car and doing race strategy. And, and Zach was sort of taking the lead on the on the mechanic side of things. And they're both just like, we have to take tyres. Yeah. I'm like, oh, if we take tyres, we're going to come out a minute behind, like, Mm. It's it's going to be you know too too big. They're like no 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 we have to do it we have to do it we have to take tires and I was against it. And you know, but then I'm sitting there I'm sitting there I'm just going. I sort of thought nah, if we come out thirty seconds behind them on old tires, yeah we can do it, mm. but it's going to be a tough ask. Yeah. So, so I sort of thought well really we don't actually have anything to lose, so we decided to put new tires on the right side. So we came out about. 55 seconds behind them. Yep. Um, two laps later, safety car. It's like, oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the one that went against us earlier, this one went for us. And so now, obviously, the field's back bunched up again. They're in the lead. We're in second. 
but there's probably about 15 cars in between us. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, once I got through, once I got through the, those sort of lap cars, yep. there was about, I don't know, 10, 10 seconds. I could see him and I thought, we've got to win this race now. But then Slady made it seriously, seriously hard. Their thing was just as quick as ours in a straight line and he just sort of kept putting the car in the middle of the road. He just kept putting the car in the middle of the road um, and making my life really, really hard and everyone sort of goes, why did you pass him at Skyline? And I just went, it was just a spur of the moment thing, you know, yeah. like I just came through McPhil and me so much quicker than him that I just went, I just got to do it. Like he's just blocking me everywhere else. I've just got to make the move. And so didn't really intend to do it that that way, but it's the way it happened. It was a good win though. It was very cool. Very, very cool. It was so special. So special to do it as a family team again, you know, mm. like um, with dad and um, the whole sort of CHE crew pouring so much effort in. Um, Tom and Craig, you know, they poured an immense amount of effort into building that car, like Tom himself just put in huge hours in mm. in the shop to to just make that happen. Like it took a it took a it took a village yeah. to get that car to the to the racetrack, and yeah. we did it. It's amazing really cool. underdog story, you know that incredible. You guys came from like not even knowing if you could put a car together, and then you know yeah. t- doing getting right and all the road bumps along the way and everything. Yeah, to getting that. Yeah, I'm sure they don't think it's an underdog story. They probably think we're uh, we're Goliath and we just came in and, <laughs> and and pants everybody. But we know. Just uh, it was essentially a miracle, right, yeah. for, for, for it to go correct because so many people have gone to Bathurst with brand-new cars mm. and you're bound to have something happen, just, you know, yeah. an electrical problem or something, you know, just doesn't last the distance. But this car just went all day, didn't miss a beat, never looked like stopping, and then it's, it sat dormant for 12 months, right, celebrating its victory. Yeah. And we took it out for a track day the other day and on the first lap, it went into limp mode. <laughs> no <laughs> way. You're just, you're just like insane. Yeah. Insane. Obviously, it had just been sitting around too long and yeah. um, it had to think about life and whatnot. But um, yeah. you well, just think it was just our day, right? Mm. Everything went all right. Well, Cam, we're, come, we're pretty, pretty much at the end of this podcast. Now, Brooke and I have a game show, which you were like, what game show at the start? Yes. Um, so you haven't obviously heard or Welcome seen. Welcome to the Fast Five. Well, the Fast Five. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a, it's a five-based, like it's five questions basically. Um, Brooke and I make questions about motorsport or your, around your arena of what yep. you do basically. And how many does Cam have to get right? Three? Yeah, we go for three. Okay, yep, we so go we, for three. That's what we've been doing. Yep. Three out of five. So three out of yep. five you have to get. And you, you got a bonus a, question here, so you got a lifeline. Yeah, you got a lifeline <laughs> question too. And you get a prize no matter what, what the outcome is. Okay. Oh, so, good. So I always win something. Hopefully you know some of your stats like myself. So the first one is who won the 2012 Dunlop V8 Supercar Super 2 Series? Who won this 2012 the Super 2012 Super, Super 2, 2 Series yeah. Championship? Was it A, Dale Wood, B, Scott McLaughlin, C, Scott Pye, or D, Chas Mostert? Oh, there's four. Why wasn't it three? Mm. <laughs> Say that again. Um, was it A, Dale Wood, B, Scott McLaughlin, C, Scott Pye, D, Chas Mostert? I'm going to say it's either B or C. You're going to have to go with one. I know, <laughs> I know. Um 
Let's go with B, Scott McLaughlin. Scott McLaughlin. Yep. That's, that's the it. first Correct. one right. Yep. Oh, uh, got it. And a bonus question is – Oh, that's um, not a bonus. This is uh, number two. This is number two. Yeah. Okay. Number what two. team did he drive for in the series, Scott McLaughlin? Uh, Stone Brothers. Bingo. Yep. That's <laughs> there we go. There we go. And I'll, I'll, I'll get Brooke to do number three, Brooke. All right. So we went for a little bit of engineering side of things here. So the new 911 GT3 Cup type mm. 992, mm. the 2002 has had some advancements from the previous generations, uh, including advanced aerodynamics. Is this statement true or false? The rear spoiler, spoiler has 11 adjustable stages. With this design, the wing, is, the wing surface is no longer fitted on top of its strut mounts but instead underneath them. Is the answer true or false? Did you get all that? <laughs> what was the last part? So we, I'll read the whole thing again. No, sure. no, no, no. Just the last part. Last part. The last part. With this design, the wing surface is no longer fitted on top of its strut mounts, but instead underneath them. Yes, true. Yes. It is. He's got <laughs> it. Oh, he knows it. Yeah. Oh, so basically you've won a prize anyway. Good. Uh, yeah, you go. He's got Winners. three. Okay. But hang on. The fourth one, why is this? Why is that? I, I believe it's because the new design, it's got like the, the dovetail wing. It's um, it's it's more efficient. Essentially, it's got more more downforce Airflow, slash drag. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's yep. it. Yep. There we go. That's what we're looking for. Cool. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> basically, smash the whole thing. Hey, he knows it well. Some people yeah. struggle. Yep, yep. Bonus. What is the rear spoiler now to resemble? Said to resemble. Said to resemble oh. of the Porsche. <sighs> what animal? Did I just say it? You can just say it. Go. No, it was uh, gooseneck. Oh, oh, close. Te- te- technically, yeah. In a way, different that's bird. different duck, goose, <laughs> swan. There, there we go. go. Swan. Swan, swan neck. Uh, swan neck wing. And yeah. So you get five out of five, which hasn't actually happened in this show for memory. Nope, it has not. It has this not. Could be a first. This could be a first out of to end the season of season two. Uh, um, your teammate is Jack LeBrock. Let's see how well you know him. In 2015 and 17, while racing in the Super 2 Series for the V8 Supercars, what team did he race for? In 15 and, and 17. 17. Yeah, what team did he race for in Super 2? Matt White. Correct. Yes. Bingo. Wow. Holy wow. shit. That's well, a first. Five out of five. five. <laughs> that is a first time ever on this podcast. You get a, I don't know what you got under there. You've got other prizes. I, over here. I obviously don't have any other interests outside motorsport. <laughs> that was good. I was like, you knew it all. Um, I've got. Oh, no. I've got. It's. it's Basically, it's not the most exciting presence, but it is. No, nah, we got presents over here later. We got. We got the shirts and well, t-shirts. You get, you get, the t-shirts. You get and a hats. track star. You get a track star cap. Oh, sweet! So a flat brim cap. Yeah. And um, you know, if you've got any kids in the family, you can give bubbles. Them a, a bubble blower. Oh wow! That can be. So you don't even have to shop for I that. I was for your watching kids. this the other day. It was oh, a mate. hack on how to use it. <laughs> You know how, like, usually you just take the whole thing out and try to use it yeah. around? Yeah, so ages three and up. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so that, that might be an extra Christmas present for whoever, you know, we might not even have to shop for someone in your family now. <laughs> so, <laughs> come and see Santa. Yeah. Nah, That's it. Thank you very much for this. I'll um, I'll definitely um, share it and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely it's gift. It's a lovely gift. And the other gifts, obviously, on the, uh, outside of the set, <laughs> which is a Trackstar cap and a Trackstar shirt. Can you serve myself and Brooke? Thank yep. you. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been really fun. Cheers. Right, thank you for coming. Thanks for coming on, Kim. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. 
And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week. Thank you.